I'm very, very grateful uh, everyone is attending. This is for the purpose and consideration of requiring the use of masks within the city of Lakeland. And to that end, uh, we had our legal team uh, and Mona Siriani headed this up for which we are, are very appreciative, uh, create an emergency order um, template that we distributed over the weekend to each of the commissioners. And uh, you have the opportunity um, to have read that uh, will be part of what we consider. This is in response to the alarming concerns we have as, as a state in terms of the keying up. This is the day we will probably go over 100,000 cases in Florida, uh, positive cases. This is um, also uh, in response to the Polk County hotspot increases as well. And one third of those cases roughly being in Lakeland for Polk County. So we have asked Dr. Ackinger from the Watson Clinic and Daniel Drummond, our CEO from uh, Lakeland Regional Health to kick us off this morning. And um, Commissioner Walker in an earlier attempt had started this before we realized we had network problems, which has caused this one half hour uh, delay and restart. Um, requested that we use as many facts in the process of this as possible, just so that those things could be um, uh, integrated as well. So we, before we realized earlier that we were not live, uh, we had Danielle Drummond giving us an update and she's going to restart with that again. And thank you so much for that, Danielle. Great, thank you, Mayor. And uh, thank you all uh, for the opportunity to address the commission this morning and share some perspectives um, from the healthcare provider in the area, the terms of Lakeland and Greater Polk County. And as you've seen uh, in the, the press and in the publicly reported data, obviously we continue to see a significant number of increased cases. This causes us particular concern because we have seen a shift over the last several weeks where there's much more of a community spread that we're noticing coming to our facilities. Previously, most of our cases had been originating at skilled nursing facilities, and those patients were often coming to us if there was an outbreak at that facility that required them to come to the hospital. But recently, we have seen this shift. With the shift in the community spread, there's definitely um, more cases among a younger population. And uh, from a hospital perspective, we are seeing an increase in the number of ventilators that we have in use for uh, COVID patients that require hospitalization. We're also seeing an increase um, in the number of patients that are in the ICU. As of this morning, um, just to share some statistics uh, for Lakeland Regional Health Medical Center, uh, we have 50 medical ICU beds um, that we uh, would typically care for COVID patients. And as of this morning, 48 of those 50 beds are in use. And of those 48 patients in ICU beds, uh, 30 of them are COVID or suspected uh, COVID positive. For the overall uh, medical center this morning, uh, we have 125 patients in total that are either COVID positive or uh, being uh, worked up for um, potential COVID rollout. So again, these numbers are significant increases um, from where we had been uh, several weeks ago. Um, from a data perspective to address Commissioner Walker's uh, question on Lakeland, um, you know, just looking at the cases attributed to Lakeland um, over the last several days, we had been sitting at uh, 623 on the 18th, um, and then by the 21st, that number had jumped up to 718. So almost 100 case increase in Lakeland um, over three days, uh, which would be a 15% increase um, over where we had been. Um, so why are we you know, concerned at, at this point um, in advocating uh, for you know, widespread uh, mass utilization? 
we're concerned because this community spread um, can put us at risk as a healthcare provider um, in, in a couple ways. One, we're concerned about our team members and ensuring that we keep our team members safe and protected uh, when they're out in the community so that we can ensure we have the appropriate workforce to be able to care for patients coming to us, both for COVID care as well as other medical needs uh, that they may be accessing uh, in our health system. In addition, because we have been seeing sicker patients, uh, we've been needing to utilize some of the aggressive therapies that are available, such as plasma and remdesivir. Again, those are not um, in a limitless supply as there has been increased uh, demand for these types of therapies. Uh, we do uh, you know, need to make sure we're monitoring our supply closely to ensure that we have enough to be able to care for patients that may continue uh, to require uh, that level of care and those types of therapies for us as we look into the future. And I think the same holds true when we look at the business community. Again, just as we're concerned about um, you know, potential exposure for our team members, uh, local businesses likewise um, would want to ensure uh, that they are able to protect uh, their team members and staff so that they're not seeing an impact to their operations as we work as collectively as a community to try to get back to our new normal um, in the current environment. And then the last point I'll make is why we think masks are so important. So we know that this disease can spread um, in a few different ways. One is direct person-to-person -person transmission. That component we really try and uh, keep under control through social distancing. The second is indirect. So that's transmission through um, surfaces and objects. And that is where the you know, making sure everyone is really being diligent about uh, hand hygiene, washing their hands, using hand sanitizer is important. And then the third uh, aspect of how this uh, disease can be spread is, is airborne, and that's where masks come in. We know that uh, there's the possibility for someone to be uh, have COVID but be asymptomatic, and they could be spreading uh, the virus uh, before they even know that they have it. So the use of masks by everyone really allows us to try to prevent this airborne spread, which continues to remain of concern. And it's important that we do it globally, that everyone wears a mask, because you're wearing the mask as much to protect everyone around you um, as much as you are yourself. It's really something that needs to be globally adopted so that it can be effective and work to really ensure that we limit the spread um, by, by the use of masks. I think when we've looked at studies that have been done in other communities, um, other states, other countries, uh, the use of masks has been shown to really help to curb the spread um, of the virus when it's done uh, in a broad scale fashion. And we've seen this evidence by the cities around us here in Florida adopting similar rules, as well as looking at some of the states across the nation um, that have similar rules in place. And they are seeing a much slower rise in their number of cases uh, after they've adopted this practice. So again, um, I thank you for the opportunity uh, to be able to, to be on the call this morning, and I'm happy to answer um, any questions as we move forward with the discussion. Um, Mayor, I believe Commissioner Walker has a question. Is he on? Uh, I'm I'm looking at and looks like he might have been cut off. So Commissioner Walker, um, I'm going to pass it on to our uh, Mayor Pro Tem to take over the meeting. May I speak, Commissioner Franklin? Commissioner, you're still muted, I believe. There you go. Okay. Uh, yeah, Commissioner Walker, go ahead. 
Thank, thank you, sir. Thank you, Ms. Danielle, for those uh, numbers. And I, I, I still ask, you know, as far as our deaths in, in Lakeland, I know you said, or uh, you mentioned the positive cases rising, you know, from 623 to 718, about a 15% increase uh, in, in your, in your uh, dialogue there, uh, deliberation, excuse me. But um, as far as deaths for Lakeland, how can, can you share that number with me? And then also, um, I, I'm, I'm hearing and I'm very concerned about, you know, what our Lakeland community does and hearing as we have for so many of our uh, residents over the weekend, or whether we may be residents of Lakeland proper or greater Lakeland, we don't know. But certainly I, I would ask this question too, you know, because our, jur our jurisdiction is not contig contig contiguous and Polk County, you know, can be right across the line from, you know, Lakeland in some respect, are we going to have, are you open to have this kind of dialogue with our county commissioners, commissioners as well? Because uh, that's my concern too when it comes to, you know, right across the street from where I attend church or where I worship, my, my family and I, is a, you know, is, is a boundary where Lakeland ends and Polk County begins and there's businesses right there as well in that particular uh, area. So that's a question I have for you as well. Are we going to approach them uh, for this kind of situation so we can be as a whole community maybe dealing with this situation? Uh, uh, together? Sure. Um, so going to your first question, I don't um, have in front of me the death number for Lakeland's approach proper. I know that the Polk County uh, death number uh, last reported was 17, so we certainly um, you know, can uh, pull that number from the reported uh, public data. Um, so I'll, I'll work on getting that over the course of the discussion here this morning. Um, and then, yes, I mean, I think absolutely, uh, you know, from a Polk County perspective, um, you know, we would be, uh, you know, advocating uh, similar, um, you know, mass usage and adoption. But I think as the, you know, primary, um, you know, healthcare system in Lakeland and knowing the um, makeup of the population uh, that we have here in Lakeland, um, you know, we certainly uh, feel though, you know, it's a conversation that we need to be having from a Lakeland perspective too, um, you know, similar to what we've seen with some of the other um, cities in Florida, such as uh, Tampa and St. Petersburg, um, adopting similar type ordinances over the last several days. Hey, Daniel, I have a couple. Thank you, uh, Philip. Daniel, a couple of questions I have. Um, I mean, as we know, these ordinances in, in Orlando and Tampa have basically just been uh, put into place. So any any spike or decrease or anything related to the ordinance wouldn't have had time to take effect yet and be showing manifesting in the hospitals. But I, I'm a little confused because I've, I've heard all sorts of numbers about our bed availability at the hospital. And, and now, I mean, you're, you told us we have 50 ICU beds and 48 of those are currently occupied. But within the last couple of weeks, I'd heard that the numbers that even the state was reporting about our available beds was actually lower than the real, the actual number. I'm, I am curious to know, um, as we're seeing now in this big the spike that's predominantly among young people, which has driven the median age of the positive cases down to 37, uh, all of the data that I read indicates that um, the younger population is not nearly as prone to, to have severe symptoms like that. Some do, obviously, and mainly those with underlying um, uh, issues. What what percentage of the people that you're admitting to the hospital now are young people versus people who are in the elderly and at-risk categories? And are these young people the ones that are occupying these ICU beds? 
Yeah, all great questions. Um, so I think to start at the top, so I totally agree when the new ordinance has been you know, implemented, we don't have enough time or data to understand the effectiveness. My comments were more, when you look at states up in the Northeast, um, such as New York, um, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Delaware, where they've had much more significant issues than us early on in this process, one of the things that they did was uh, to have these mask mandates, um, a lot of them at the state level, and therefore that has led to, there's been um, articles that have been published, you know, demonstrating that that you know other piece, which is the mask utilization in addition to the social distancing and the hand hygiene, really is what has made the difference once that piece got put into place. So I think there is evidence out there to support that. Um, the ICU bed question, absolutely. I think this is a um, can be a confusing topic based on the rules of how the state asks us to report uh, this information. So the numbers I just shared was purely based on our medical ICU capacity today. In addition, we have other types of ICU, surgical, trauma, um, NICU for our small patients, pediatric as well. So I was only referring to our medical ICU because that is where we would currently house uh, those patients. And the numbers I cited this morning are significantly higher in that environment than they have been over the last several weeks. Now, as you've seen um, us share in the past, we are able to, through converting some of our other uh, beds in the hospital, be able to open up more ICU beds um, should the need arise. What we report to the state on a regular basis is what's sort of staffed and ready to go today. So again, when you start to get close to that capacity is when we might need to look at ramping up the additional um, ability to have those beds. Um, but again, from my perspective, there's having the bed, but then there's also ensuring you have the appropriate um, staff for that bed and then also access to the appropriate therapies uh, to ensure um, that we have uh, you know, the ability to care for patients in that environment. Um, we do, as we've started to see trends, um, you know, in the increase of number of younger people um, that are, uh, you know, coming down with COVID, we are seeing an increase in those patient populations. In fact, um, of some of the patients that are in our ICU on ventilators today, some of them are in their 30s and 40s. So, um, again, if you were to talk to anyone in our emergency department or in our ICU, um, they, they have grave concerns um, with some of the clinical presentations we're seeing, even amongst uh, the younger population. Mayor, are you back now? Yes. Thank you. Uh, any other questions? Yes, Commissioner Madden. Thank you, Scott. Um, can you hear me, Mayor? Hello? Yes, ma'am, I can. Okay, good. Um, Daniel, thank you so much for coming today. I think it's really important to note that you know, we heard about this emergency meeting on Saturday and it really was a response to actual case numbers actual care in our hospital. This isn't something that the city decided we would somehow become um, more onerous in our tactics in making folks wear masks. And to, the way I've been kind of grappling with it the last couple of days is we've been watching hurricanes hitting in other parts of the country and seeing body bags in New York. And then we have been you know, shut down as a state and our businesses have been shut down and we've been asked to do all of these precautionary methods and then there's several people who don't even know a person who's had COVID. And so now when we actually have cases and community spread that are not relegated to a nursing home or to a particular hot spot, I think it's kind of like the boy who cried wolf. People are thinking, 
here they go again. They're going to, you know, take away our parks and they're going to shut my business down. And now they're going to make me wear masks. I think I need to hear from both you and Dr. Ockinger today that we are in the cone of the hurricane now. Lakeland is now in the cone. It is not hypothetical. We're not looking at another city far away who's had a, who's been hit. But these are dramatic increases in a three-day period that give us all pause. And that's why we are having this emergency meeting. And so, you know, I don't know how to communicate effectively to our populace, you know, to say, I'm sorry that you've been shut down for, you know, months and your business has been, um, you know, obliterated, but now's really when we need to act. But I'm kind of looking to both of you from our, because the whole thing was slow, slow to spread was to say, it's about our hospital capacity. We don't want to ever get to the point where we're having to, you know, um, ration care. And so, you know, that's why y'all are here today and you are such an important and critical piece of this discussion because that is our goal is to make sure you are okay, that you have the beds you need, that you have the ventilators that you need to take care of the populace. And if masks are what we all need to do to be able to mitigate this right now, you know, I think we're all open to this discussion, but how, how, what would you say to folks who think, this isn't really real. This isn't really hitting Lakeland. Why is why is why are these last three day numbers different than the last weeks and months that we've had preceding this? Yes, I agree. You know, with all of your comments, I know we've been through a lot. Of, you know, as a, as a society and a community, and I think um, you know we certainly want to you know do uh, whatever we can do to make sure that we can maintain and really try to get back to normal. Um, and I do think that's where masks can come in because I think with the use of masks, we will be able to maintain a lot of the um, things that we have recently opened um, if we take this additional precaution to allow us to do so and do so in a safe way. From the case count perspective and what I'm seeing, uh, you know, again, there's been a significant increase in number of positive cases over the last um, several days, um, you know, on top of increases over the last couple of weeks. The other, I think, key statistic in this is the percent of positive cases that are coming back. So it's been sort of a general trend of around four or five percent of those tested come back positive. And there's been recommendations that as long as we can keep that number under 10%, that we are generally um, have you know, the situation somewhat under control or at least understand what's going on. The last three days, that number has been above the 10% mark. So that, I think, in my mind, is a concern and a red flag and something that we need to really pay particular attention to. Because while we all understand the number of tests being um, administered and ordered has been increasing, so in that respect, you would expect to see more positive cases it's that percent positive rate that's really built up over the last days that I think is causing us to have, um, you know, this additional concern at this time. Commissioner Walker. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. I, I was going to, I guess, maybe I should wait to Dr. Drummer, I mean, excuse me, Dr. Ockinger, uh, share his comments, because I, I think both of them may have to answer my next question. And that has to do with, you know, we, we've been saying this disproportionate number among our black and brown community. And, uh, and and I want to make sure that even in what you're sharing with us with these facts, are uh, we actually seeing that community still having the disproportionate case, positive cases being, uh, being uh, in, in our number as we move forward as well. Um, so I, I guess wait until Dr. Alkinger would share his comments and ask that question of both of you all to see um, 
could you give me some kind of information about that? That's good to have asked that now because they could also dig in and get some of that detail while Dr. Ockinger is talking. So Dr. Ockinger, if you'd like to, to uh, do your portion now, we'd appreciate it, sir. Okay. Uh, thank you, Mayor. Thank you, Commissioners, for giving me the opportunity to speak on this very important topic. I hope my mic is live. Uh, okay, he's, I see some nods. Okay, thank you. You're uh, on, my turn. Okay, <laughs> this is um, obviously a very critical time. Um, we've been preparing for uh, for months. Uh, I know uh, Ms. Drummond, uh, uh, I'm going to echo very similar things of what Ms. Drummond brought up, the very important, uh, the very important points that she made about where we are in this, uh, in our first wave in our community. Um, we really didn't see the spread uh, happen early on. And I think that was attributable to the mitigation strategies that this commission was instrumental in taking early on. Uh, so we're at a point where uh, we are now starting to see that logarithmic growth. So I want to Um, I'm sorry. Is my video on? Oh. Uh, your video is not on, but you're... Okay. There we go. I'm sorry. Um, there you go. I got a couple comments that I was invisible. So um, the, you know, we're at that point where we're now starting to see that dreaded logarithmic growth. We're starting to see the rate of change in disease cases increase over time. And that's a critical point in, in an epidemic. And I think that we have a window of opportunity to act that's going to make a huge impact. Um, and it's going to take uh, leadership. And this is a very, very important, I don't want to let it be lost on the group that this is a critical time point. Um, what actions that we take as a community right now are going to impact people's lives. Uh, they're going to impact um, uh, mortality rates that we see in the coming months. Uh, I wanted to, uh, Commissioner uh, Walker uh, asked the question, uh, what is the death rate versus what is the case rate? Um, in reality, I see those two things are the same. Um, we know from experience that the more cases, documented cases do lead to mortalities. In Polk County, that number has been about 4%. So the cases that we are seeing today will lead to, to deaths. So every, uh, every 25 cases we see is one uh, is one Polk County resident that, that that will that will die in the future, so we need to keep that in mind. Um, uh, we're interpreting data for a reason because it's telling us something about what's going to happen down the road, and it's very very important that we listen to what that data is telling us and interpret it properly. So, uh, there's no explanation other than community spread. Uh, I believe you know Ms. Drummond mentioned this that. There is a um, rates of, um, of, of, of cases are going up, but the percent positivity rate, very importantly, in our own clinics is coming up. The data that I'm interpreting is from Watson Clinic. These are, these are patients who are coming to our facilities seeking to find out whether they have the illness or not. And both we are identifying more people that have the illness than we have ever done in the last week. And... The, the percent positivity of the test that we are sending more, a higher percentage of the tests are coming back positive. That cannot be explained 
by an increased test volume being done. I want to make an emphatic point about that. Uh, so this is not something that is a, this data is not uh, just based on the way we're measuring it. This is an actual true phenomenon of community spread of this illness. Uh, I hear some talk about, is it in young people? Is it in old people? Um, it's important to know which communities are being affected at any given time during a pandemic, but understand that it will not stay confined to one group. So don't buy into the, the fallacy that if it's just young people being affected, that it will remain young people. In every other area where this disease has been, it has always spread from community to community, from group of, from young people to older people, people who live in the same household. That is where the majority of the spread is going to occur. So every young person that acquires the illness out in the community will spread it to other family members. And that's the real danger here. So I think that if we look at mitigation strategies here, we're talking about masks. Um, masks are the uh, probably the least expensive mitigation measure that this commission could possibly be um, be considering. We all understand the expense of a shutdown and the amount of uh, pain that it inflicts on the community, and we want to avoid that. Masks are relatively inexpensive, and it is it is a simply asking people to uh, to comply with a recommendation that um, scientific bodies across the United States, across the world, agree is a very important mitigation strategy that can slow down the spread of the disease. So again, I would couch this in as how do we continue this plan of opening up the economy but doing it in a safe manner? How do we keep our economy running without having to risk another shutdown? To me, it's, a simple, it's, it's very simple. Masks are um, the most cost-effective way of doing it. I hear a lot of discussion about individual rights. Um, individual rights, we all have individual rights. Um, I would propose that uh, people who have medical conditions, who have, for instance, a liver transplant or are receiving cancer therapy, do have the right to public spaces that are safe. And please think about those who are at risk of a severe outcome for this illness when you're weighing individual rights. Do these, do these folks have the right to go to a, to a waiting room, to a business, to a grocery store without putting themselves at risk? Finally, um, the, I would just make a personal plea about those who have risk factors. Um, my life's work essentially is, uh, up to this point in my career, has been to care for people who have medical risk, who, uh, who are uh, the frail and the vulnerable. And none of these people view themselves as castaways. I can guarantee you that. Uh, they all believe that they have a right to live, that they have a right to participate in society. Uh, not a single one of them uh, thinks that it's okay to accept uh, mortality in one particular group. Um, I hope no one on this call and no one listening is in that group. Um, if you are, we're going to be here advocating for you. But if you're making this decision about, um, if you're tempted to think that this illness is simply going to impact people um, who, who probably are going to die anyway, uh, I believe that's uh, 
that's the wrong way of looking at this because if you're on the other end of that uh, 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 on the other end of that spectrum you might view it a little bit differently so I think it's very important that we protect the vulnerable and that ties in with um, with Commissioner Walker's comment about uh, the unfortunate um, the, uh, economically unfortunate and uh, minority communities who are suffering a higher burden of this disease uh, so I think it's important to keep in mind uh, those who who society hasn't been protecting well, um, that we, we hear their voices at this time. Um, we don't want to take away anybody's individual rights, um, but we, we do at times ask people to do things that are in the public good. Uh, I would use the analogy of secondhand smoke. I think it's probably the best public health analogy that I could, that I could think of in this instance. Um, we realized early on that packing people into an airplane uh, and allowing them to smoke cigarettes um, exposed the workers in that airplane and that recirculated air to significant increased risk in cardiovascular disease and cancers. And we realized that, yes, banning smoking in public spaces is something that's not going to be popular, but it is something that protects the rights of those who were being damaged and who were being affected by, um, by, by the voices of others. And I view this no differently. Our public spaces should be some place that is that is safe to what? go into. Um, these are, uh, there, there, there is ample um, public health um, um, trends in the past where we have, have dealt with similar situations where we have to ask someone to do something that they may not like to do, but it's in the, it's in the public good. So finally, I just want to conclude that um, this will help us. This will help us keep our Watson Clinic facilities safe. It will help us and enforce our, our mass policies that we already have in place. However, having the community behind us, um, I believe, will allow us to deliver safer health care and deliver it in a way that, um, that, that protects the vulnerable. Thank you. Great comments, Dr. Ockinger. And what would you say to people who say, well, masks aren't proven to help anyway? I think that's completely wrong. I think the literature supports the use of masks in public spaces as a, a way of preventing the spread of respiratory droplets. And um, the respiratory droplets are capable of being transmitted in a conversation, correct? Not just a sneeze or a cough as part of the consideration. Yes. So I think, you know, we are all very sensitive to individual rights issues and people feeling, having, having to feel compelled to do something that is uncomfortable for them or that they don't agree with or that they may not even buy as a problem. Uh, you know, we've had COVID-19 conspiracies don't think it's a problem at all anyway that it's fabricated at the at the extremes um the wearer wears the mask for whom the mask is being worn to reduce the spread of the illness from those who uh, may have it and not know that they have it and, and that protects that protects those who are who are in the same same space uh, whether that person, uh, it, 
is wearing a mask or not, it will provide protection. So the more masks that we have being worn in a public space, the safer that public space is. No question. Okay, questions from commissioners. Commissioner Madden. Thank you so much, Dr. Ockinger, for being here today. Um, I wanted to ask, because we're talking about safety in public spaces, <clears throat> excuse me, um, with children going back to school in the fall, and certainly right now we're talking about a community spread that's happening right now, um, uh, and, and the school year is, is you know, a few weeks, a month away, what would you say to educators and to um, the school board folks when they're contemplating sending schools back to, or children back to classrooms with regard to masks? I think anytime you have people in a confined space sharing the same air, um, the difference, the real, the real reason why masks indoor are much more important than perhaps masks outdoor is that we know that transmission of the virus is upwards of 10 times greater in an indoor space. And that's simply because airflow is much lower and we are oftentimes dealing with recirculated air. So bringing children into a classroom is going to bring a certain level of risk. It's not gonna be zero. Uh, I think that risk mitigation strategies in a classroom are going to have a spillover effect and are going to protect adults because children don't live by themselves, obviously. They go back home and they interact in others, other situations. So it is in the community's benefit that the school tried to slow the spread of the illness at, at school because that will protect adults. I think we'll eventually uh, get to a vaccine, we'll get to effective treatment for this illness. Uh, but we don't know when that's gonna happen. And we have to view this as we need to try to save as many lives as we can um, until that day comes when this is all behind us. And so I think schools should be practicing in some shape or form a uh, social distancing and mask wearing so that those children uh, have a lower risk of bringing that illness back home with them. Kids have a right to an education. Kids need to be educated. Kids need to be social. I believe the kids have a right to be social. But we have to also protect their parents. And that is the difficult situation. Uh, and again, there, there are health risks to children. You know, let's not forget that this illness does, in some circumstances, cause illness in kids. So we cannot pretend like it's, we know that it's completely harmless to our children to catch this illness. It's not. Uh, there is a risk of being hospitalized. There is a small risk of death. And there is the unknown of the, auto, of the autoimmune phenomenon, um, an illness that looks similar to something called Kawasaki disease that has been reported, which is an inflammatory illness that develops in a small subset of children afterwards. Uh, this is a life-threatening illness that causes inflammation of the arteries, um, large arteries in, in, in kids. So we're still, the book is, way, is not close to being done on um, the ways that COVID is impacting our bodies. And we need to be a little bit careful before we take a cavalier attitude with Polk County's children that we're just going to let them catch this. 
uh, and move on. I, as a parent, don't feel comfortable with that. Can I just add to my second point was also, I do want to reinforce Dr. Ockinger that we've been um, talking to you since the very beginning and you've never before come to us with a request like this. And so just like I said with Dr. Drummond, you do feel like the time in which we're in and the numbers that are increasing and the community spread we're facing now is more like that analogy of the cone of the hurricane is, is over Lakeland more than it has been in the last weeks and months. Yes, I do. Um, with all due respect, Commissioner, however, um, at, uh, I'm, I've been on the Lakeland, the open Lakeland uh, uh, task force um, on those calls. And on the very first call, uh, I did put out the request that we need to create a culture of safety, uh, a culture of mask wearing. Uh, that is where we, we encourage the use. Uh, so, so I've been a vocal advocate for the use of masks. I know Ms. Drummond has been as well uh, in, her press, in, her, in her press conferences. Uh, I do remember wearing a mask at a press conference uh, next, to, uh, next to the hospital leadership. So I think there's a lot of solidarity there and how we view this. Uh, I think, however, the time is a little bit more critical and perhaps we, the asking has not had the desired impact, uh, but we did start by asking. I think that's a very, very important point, by the way, because we have asked for volunteering and what we can see in our community is, is the result of that ask for 60 days. And to your earlier question, Commissioner Mann, with respect to the school systems, um, one of the reasons for the offline, for the, the learning opportunity is to protect families that might be vulnerable with the children that would have to come home to those families, or as well as families that would get infected uh, somewhere along the way with those kids not having come back to the school. So it's part and parcel of what they're taking into consideration as they make the plans for the fall uh, as well. Uh, Commissioner, who, whether Commissioner had their hand up. Uh, Commissioner Walker, and then, by the way, Commissioner Reed would like to weigh in at some point. So let's do Commissioner Walker, Reed, Franklin, McLeod. Walker, Reed, Franklin, McLeod. Okay, go ahead. Uh, thank you, Mr. Mayor, and thank you again, Dr. Ockinger, for your, your uh, comments. And, and I want to make sure I pick it back on what uh, Commissioner Madden said. And, and certainly we appreciate both of you sharing with us from the health care perspective, especially those are, uh, of what we consider our professionals in our community to let us know or be sensitive to, to what's happening and bring us this important information. Because I, I, if, if I'm hearing from you all, and as she's already indicated, uh, and Commissioner Madden, of course, said as well, if this is a case and we're seeing this particular challenge, I have to accept what you know has been said by those who are the professionals in our community. But I also to ask to ask you, as I've asked uh, Mrs. Drummond, uh, are we are you planning on make sure that the county, you know, uh, the county leadership is is aware? Uh, because I, I I know part of my district area is contiguous to the county, and I know there's uh, businesses or that may may be affected. We should go through this. Uh, with this approval of some kind of mandate for mass wearing. And I, I just have that challenge where you know there's going to be a, um, a concern with you know, those citizens and residents, of course, that is right across the street from where Lakeland ends and, and county begins. Uh, I want to make sure we, uh, you're going to do that as well to support taking this to what, and what I heard you say again, with our children and moving toward uh, school in the fall. Um, will you be doing that kind of thing? 
Commissioner um, Walker, I'd be happy to advocate for for the use of masks uh, to 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 other board to other uh, other bodies. I, I I think just because you you have to live in Bartow doesn't doesn't mean that the science is any different there. Uh, that's a great thing about science; it, it applies to everybody in the universe. So it applies in Bartow. It applies in Plant City, uh, even though those might not be areas that are. Uh, that are um, under your jurisdiction. So I'd be happy to, to, to speak to anybody, uh, especially where Watson Clinic has a location. We have locations in Plant City, we have locations in Bartow, which are, are under different jurisdictions. Um, and I think Commissioner Walker's role is to try and protect our city to the extent that we have uh, jurisdiction and hopefully that that can be influential to the county. I do understand that, Mr. Mayor. That's why I asked that kind of question. Anything else, sir? Commissioner Reed. We're standing by because Kevin Cook has to release that. Yes, go well, ahead, sir. There, we have dozens of callers, and I've got to find him, okay, because he came on late and I couldn't identify him in the beginning. So I'm going to have to unlock every caller to find out where he is, but he does want to call. Okay. While you do that, we'll have Commissioner Franklin and Commissioner McLeod. That's not going to work. That's not going. I got. We got to let him talk. Oh, I see. Him. Yes, sir. So just just give me a second, okay? So we we unmuted line eight. Line eight is our is that Commissioner Reed? No. Okay. We'll just keep going down. Kevin, I think he may have been 27 because I heard him talking in the background at one point and it looked like 27 was illuminated. I'd give that one a shot. Well, wow, that Commissioner is Commissioner Reed. Commissioner Reed, please talk. I just unmute everybody. Commissioner Reed, where are you? Commissioner Reed, speak. Yes, I'm here. I'm here. Okay. This is Bill Reed. All right, let me identify you here. Call 15. Call 15. Okay. I'm you here. have the floor. All right, can everyone hear me? Yes, yes we sir. can, sir. Yes, sir. All right, thank you. Uh, again, I have, a, I have a brief question as well. Um, doctor, does it pertain to what kind of mask? You know, I'm I'm out in the general public. I'll see bandanas. I'll see paper masks. I see the uh, N95s. Uh, a lot of people have their own homemade masks. Are you telling me that any kind of mask? I see a lot of these buddies of mine that wear these fishing masks. They just wear them uh, to the store. It's just a, a nylon-looking thing that spans over your face. Uh, again, my biggest concern is the type of mask that we would require. And who's going to pay for it and how we get to the N95 stuff like that? So, would you please address that question? Commissioner, uh, thank you. I'd be happy to. Uh, the, uh, I, I've seen the, 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 the language on the proposed, uh, on the proposed order, and it does, it does have some definitions of what is considered a mask or face covering. Um, I think that, in a general sense, however, um, the uh, Simple surgical mask is probably the most common and readily available. Um, these are uh, 
now with supply chains better uh, than they were uh, three months ago. Uh, if you remember early on, early on in this pandemic, uh, getting access to these uh, has been difficult. Um, these are very simple for people to, 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 to put on. Uh, homemade masks, I do believe, uh, work well as well. Uh, some people want that individualization and they want to they have a mask that speaks about their personality. Uh, they want to make it fashionable. I, I think that that's all great. I would encourage that uh, because uh, I'd, rather, I'd rather promote the use of masks um, for people in a way that they feel comfortable uh, rather than equivocate over which type of material provides which better protection. I don't think the studies can really tell us in a real detailed and rigorous way whether a homemade face covering versus a surgical mask, how much one is better than the other. And, and I don't think that that debate at this point would really be um, incredibly fruitful. Uh, use of an N95 mask obviously gives you the best protection. Um, we do request that those be reserved for the healthcare setting. Um, those folks who do happen to have N95 masks already, and perhaps they are caring for somebody in their home, uh, trust me, this is going to become a much more common situation as these case numbers goes up. People caring for someone in the home who has this illness, because we ask people to self-quarantine. Um, those folks will want to don a, an N95 mask and probably a face shield as well, if they can get access to a simple face shield, that physical barrier um, in front of your face, in addition to the N95 mask, to help protect the mucous membranes of the eyes, uh, because remember, the respiratory droplets can land in your eye. So in those settings, I think that it's, it's reasonable for the general population to use the same protective measures that we use in the hospital. But for the purpose of this ordinance, if people want to fashion a, a mask that has their favorite emblem on it, uh, I think I'd be very supportive of that because it, it, it promotes that mask wearing culture uh, that I think will make it com more comfortable for everybody uh, to do this uh, until the pandemic is behind us. Did that answer your question? It, it does. It does. Thank you. It's ironic. You know, I see people with masks and they're covering their mouth and their mouth, nose is exposed. Uh, fortunately, I mean, fortunately, I wear glasses as well. And for some, I wear one, but I breathe it with my glasses, but I can address that. And of course, I do have difficulty in understanding when people talk. Uh, but there again, that was one of my biggest questions. Of course, uh, the calls that I have received are basically pro not wearing masks. I'm getting much more uh, positive feedback for uh, unfunding the police department, unfortunately, than uh, our actual opponent of masking. Of course, Edward, you've made some you've made some really profound statements in uh, in reference to uh, wearing masks, and it's, it's a difficult decision. I, w I would wish we could educate our citizens to wear masks. I wear one, uh, as not in my car, not in the, when I'm out in the parking lot. But usually, if I go into a store, I will wear one. Uh, obviously, this, and I think we would mandate that this or have the store owners be proactive. If they would mandate one, it would make our job a lot easier because uh, I'm sure we don't have one at City Hall. I would think just already some at Publix. I go to Costco's every now and then. They're mandated them at their stores. If our patrons would and businesses would help us and and make it mandatory that they have them at their location, we go in their location, it would curb stuff. But I really hate. Uh, 
uh, mandating it from the city level, especially when the county has not implemented that same uh, proxy areas as well. And, and, and that's basically what I had to say, Bill. So thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Reed. Appreciate that very much. By the way, it is interesting. I learned recently that 95 on N95 is 95% of particulates are blocked. So that is the actual rating, whereas a cloth mask, you know, that you might put over your face or a cotton mask might be in the 40 or 50 percentile. Uh, and that would kind of be kind of the range in between how tight it is and the mask, book, you know, is much tighter on that 95 fitting. Uh, any additional comments on that, uh, Dr. Ackender? Yeah, I carry, I carry one in my pocket when I'm, when I'm out. And so, uh, uh, if everybody did that, I think it would be a good idea. But you can't legislate people into doing what they don't want to do or don't know the risk is. Agreed. Thank you so much, Commissioner Reed. Uh, Commissioner Franklin. I'm sorry, Dr. Ockinger, you were going to say something. Uh, yeah, I'd like to, if I could just make a quick comment about, you know, what, what Commissioner Reed had brought up. In um, N95, yes, you're right. The N95 is the percent of respiratory droplets that are that, that are filtered through. N95 masks do provide significant protection both to the wearer and to those um, in the in the room. So, uh, somebody who has COVID-19 at home, you know, if you have an N95 mask uh, available, that also can significantly reduce the spread of respiratory droplets from the affected person. You got to make sure your mask covers both the nose. And it's a tight seal around the chin. Uh, I do would just want to make a comment about it should be mandatory for businesses. Uh, if I could just respond to that just, just a little bit. We have been uh, agonizing over this decision uh, for quite some time. Uh, we have a mandatory mask policy for our employees at the Watson Clinic. We, we don't, we have, not, we, have, we have not, we give masks out to everyone who comes into the building, uh, but we, we, have, we, we do not enforce in a strict way, um, we allow people to have taken their masks off, for instance, inside the building. Because we, we have a difficult dilemma because we have vulnerable people who need to come to our facilities, who I believe have a right to come to a safe facility. However, we have people who also need to come see us because we're providing very important, perhaps life-saving care for them. And they personally may feel that they do not want to put a mask on so we've been trying to weigh how do we protect the vulnerable in our in our waiting rooms and how do we care for those who come to us who refuse to put a mask on and there's no right or wrong answer and and this is the dilemma this is why i would ask the city commission to kind of help us in this uh, because we feel that um that mask wearing is important and it will help protect everyone um but we need the entire community to, to buy into this concept. Um, we're not set up, you know, we, we don't have bouncers. We're not a bar, okay? We don't, we don't kick people out of the building, okay? That's not what a medical facility is all about. Uh, we care for everybody, okay? Um, so it will really be helpful to get better compliance within the entire organization if we had an ordinance, city ordinance that that, that, that was behind us. I'll always be very honest with you. Um, and, and I think that other businesses feel the same way. They're very, very scared of 
people not coming in, not patronizing them if they are forced to wear a mask. You understand how, con I understand how controversial the mask issue is. Trust me, I, I get, I hear a lot of the complaints myself, but I think it might provide a little bit of relief to the, to, to the business owners and the business leaders in the community if we understood that we were, we had the city behind us in these initiatives. And I don't think that the city commission can abdicate that responsibility to business leaders. I, I don't think that that's the way that you need to lead during a pandemic. Thank you, Commissioner Finger. Okay, thank you, Mayor. And, and Dr. Ockinger and, and Ms. Drummond, I really appreciate you all taking the time today to, to inform us and educate us. And I really, I truly appreciate the effort you all are doing. And, and I do know, Doctor, that, you know, I, I'm not a doctor. I don't even play one on TV, but I do know that you all are charged to first and foremost do no harm. So I completely understand where you're coming from. Um, but I do know, too, that we as, as policymakers, are required to do things that we feel collectively are prudent for our citizens that are reasonable and also have to be realistically enforceable. So that's, as we get on into this later, that's gonna be an area of concern I have. But, but just to help me understand this a little better and where you would come from as a, as a health professional, um, we know statistically we lose upwards of 60,000 people a year uh, during flu season. Happens year in, year out, we have flu shots that can help prevent that when they get it right and get the right vaccine for a given year, but we don't mandate that. Uh, considering your, your comments that uh, we need to respect the vulnerable, uh, one death is too many, I think we would all agree. Um, if we do something like this, how would we not shut this, it's a couple of questions here, but how would we not then justify continuing this mask mandate forever? because there are always gonna be health issues that kill lots of people. And the people oftentimes that, that carry that disease could survive it, but they're gonna be taking it into an environment where they transmit it to other people. So one question would be, you know, will this ever go away through any flu season forever? Uh, you know, second, if, if flu vaccines have been shown to prevent a lot of the spread of flu, should we not mandate, legally mandate that, um, that all of our citizens have to get a flu shot every year. Um, the same thing could be also be extrapolated to vaccinations. Uh, the overwhelming body of evidence supports vaccinations. And I know a lot of schools require kids to show up with their shot cards, but it's not a law that parents vaccinate their kids. Why would that be? Because those same kids may not transmit it at school, but in the neighborhood and on the playgrounds, they could still transmit those diseases and we don't do it. So I, I would just be curious to know that in a doctor's perfect world, would you also propose those t those types of regulations that we mandate those legally uh, from our government? Um, thank you, uh, uh, Commissioner Franklin. Uh, I think there's some salient differences between the current pandemic that we are and seasonal influenza. And I just want to clarify those those differences before we we draw what I think is a, at times a bit of a false analogy. Um, the reason why COVID-19 is much different than a seasonal flu pandemic uh, or epidemic really has to do with the fact of, uh, of the availability of vaccines and the, uh, the ability to get the vaccine out ahead of the 
uh, of the of the illness. You correctly point out that uh, many people do not get vaccines, uh, and I believe that um, that is okay on an individual level for people to to not get a flu vaccine. It's not a decision I necessarily agree with, but I certainly would not would not argue that we should be we should be mandating flu vaccines in that way. Um, this illness is, a, is an illness that is affecting a population that is completely unprotected. When seasonal influenza comes to our community every single year, we've gotten about 50 to 60% of the population vaccinated. That gets you what that, 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 that critical herd immunity, meaning that influenza cannot spread nearly as rapidly through the community as, as this illness. And so the reason why COVID-19 being a completely new virus, this is not the same thing as a flu pandemic. The other difference is, is that this virus is in all accounts, um, several orders of magnitude, a couple orders of magnitude uh, higher in the death rate. So it causes two to three times at least the death rate of seasonal flu. So it's, it's not a, a one-to-one -one analogy here. And so I'd caution anybody to just compare what we're currently dealing with to seasonal uh, influenza. I would, however, note that there are certain circumstances um, from a public health standpoint where we do mandate vaccines. Um, Ms. Drummond could probably attest, uh, and I can attest, that I have to hold out my arm every single year and prove to her that I have gotten flu vaccine or I cannot do my job at Lakeland Regional. So in certain occupational exposures, we do mandate it. Um, uh, Commissioner Franklin, you uh, served in the uh, military, uh, so I'm sure you're aware that the military uh, makes uh, many vaccines mandatory. Uh, so in certain settings where we know there's a high risk and we really want to reduce that spread of an illness, why is it important for me as a healthcare provider to get the vaccine, flu vaccine? Because I could potentially be a vehicle to spread it from patient to patient. So we have found that I think that from a public health policy, we're comfortable with where we are with flu. I don't think we need to go out and make, this is not a slippery slope where we're gonna go out and make people get flu shots, make people wear masks during, during seasonal influenza. Uh, I think as a society, we've seen how many people succumb to influenza and we're comfortable with what we're seeing. Um, when we see logarithmic growth of a new illness, um, I just don't have that same comfort level uh, to say that, 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 that we don't need to start acting more aggressively. Um, if we could look into the future uh, and know that, um, you know, what the actual mortality death, death toll will actually be. And, and then we can decide uh, then whether we want to, 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 be, to be restrictive. I, I think that we would, you could, you could be more comfortable with that. But you can't simply know what's going to happen when we're in the uptick uh, growth phase. And we've seen that this illness does take a fairly devastating toll, uh, close to 120,000 Americans already. Um, and predicted to be another 100,000 in the coming months. Uh, these are big numbers. These are staggering numbers, um, and they, they should get anybody's attention. Well, I, I do appreciate that. And, and, you know, just one point on the, the military service, and just as yours, I mean, those are professions people choose to belong to. They're not required to do it. And, um, and I would say even, too, when I was in the military, we had a big there's a lot of controversy when the anthrax vaccinations started coming around, and we actually had people resign from the military because they refused to take those shots. So I get it, but that was people's choice, and they had the freedom to do that. 
And while I sincerely hope we're on the path to discovering a vaccine sometime soon, there's no assurance that we will. You know, there's been uh, you know, AIDS has been a problem now for at least 35 years, and there's still no vaccination for that. Uh, but through a pattern, a culture of education and drugs that have helped mitigate the, the um, symptoms around that, we've brought the death rate around that disease down quite a bit. But we may never get a vaccine for, for COVID, especially if it continues to morph. But, but thank you. I appreciate your insight there. Thank you and good morning. Um, thank you, Danielle and Dr. Akiner for being here today. So I've had a bit of a gap between video and audio all morning. So hopefully the audio is on track, but if you can't hear me, just wave at me or, or if I need to change course, I will. Um, just a, I strongly believe that there's an opportunity for an aggressive uh, unified public health message with a sense of urgency that um, maybe we haven't seen before and uh, up until this time. I know that, you know, Dr. Ockinger, you talked about you've uh, been a proponent of masks. I feel like the, the ask to our residents has, has been a soft ask. It has not been one of, of urgency of the picture that, that Danielle described at the hospital. I, I just don't feel like the public has had a chance to, to hear all of that. Um, and to Ms. Uh, Commissioner Madden's point, I think the message has been shifting on this throughout the pandemic from the federal level on down. And so we've had 15 days to slow the spread and then, and then it was 30. And um, so I, I really supported the approach where we were headed at the end of the week uh, that's different than Tampa and Orlando uh, to be able to, to try an aggressive public health messaging campaign. I'm with Commissioner Walker on the concerns about uh, the, the county versus the, the city limits. Uh, and so I, I think that's, that's the route I'm comfortable with. I, I'm not comfortable with a mandate. I've heard from a lot of small business owners. Um, you mentioned the business community. We heard from Bridge Local this morning about their members who are overwhelmingly uh, against it, concerned. And so I think there's a way that we can um, get this message out, that we can lead on this as a commission without mandating it. I think people look at a mandate and say, well, today you're mandating masks and the message has been shifting from different levels of government. What might we be mandating tomorrow? And I think that's a, a, a valid point and, and one that, that we have to consider. So uh, just a few comments uh, from my colleagues. Commissioner McCarley. Um, thank you, Mayor, and good morning, everyone. Thank you, Dr. Akinger. Thank you, Ms. Drummond. We really appreciate both of your diligence throughout this pandemic that we've none of us have experienced before. But thanks for always taking time to come and express your thoughts and your education with the commission, because we rely so heavily on both of your expertise. Um, this is a really complicated situation. So I think from beginning to end, which we seem to be in the middle, is that it's very gray. We have a lot of new information coming in. Um, we did do what we could in the very beginning to mitigate as much as we could. And those measures may have seemed more drastic to our community, like the closure of parks and, and trying to have everybody spread out six feet. And I do think that we've let our foot off the gas pedal here in the last few weeks, which is why we've probably seen the spike. I know that we've probably lessened as a community as we've opened up. Some people maybe have thought about that as, oh, that means we're going back to normal. And, you know, as we discussed at strategic plan and as we've discussed in our weekly commission meetings, there isn't really this isn't normal. This is just like, you know, prior to September 11th, I could walk my grandparents to the gate at an airport and that ended after September 11th. That was a complete shift in security and the way that that worked. And I think we're seeing another complete shift because of this pandemic. Um, and 
I think that it's just a very complicated um, issue. So for me, the one thing I want to really echo from Dr. Akinger saying earlier is a lot of people have said, if you're a vulnerable population, then you should just stay home. And I think what we need to remember is some people in a vulnerable population have to work. They are part of an essential business. They might be working an hourly job and they have to feed their families and keep a roof over their head. And they may not have the, the choice to stay home. And so they need to be masked up. For me personally, I mask every time I go to Publix, anytime I go into a store. Our churches have not been opened back up yet, at the church I attend. Um, and we're being very cognizant and very careful. But we've also loosened up a little bit. You know, I have to remind my kids to put on a mask if they go into a store. They've only been into a couple stores uh, maybe three or four times since March 13th. Um, our two kids. So, but they have, you know, played with playmates and they have seen people. It's been a lot more limited, obviously. But I just think in this discussion, um, the one thing that I do uh, wonder about is implementation and enforcement. So I agree with Commissioner McLeod and that the public education facet of this is imperative um, of pushing and, and really encouraging our community as much as possible to put a mask on. If, you know, I, that is, the as Dr. Eichinger said, it's the least expensive mitigation. We're not shutting down businesses. It will help us keep our businesses in business. I know it's a difficult choice. I heard over the weekend from people that said, well, if a business makes me wear a mask, I won't go. Well, that's your prerogative. You don't have to go. If you don't like the rules, then you don't have to go into that business. However, the businesses have that choice as well. Costco has put a line in the sand. You know, I think they did that nationally weeks and weeks ago and asked someone to leave who didn't have a mask on. But I am concerned about who we're asking to enforce this mandate if we do it. Who is going, if there's a, you know, 16, 17, 18-year-old store clerk in a convenience store and there are already, you know, arguments between patrons about whether one has a mask on and the other one doesn't have a mask on, and are we asking that store clerk, you know, to really get involved in the middle of that, or do we call the police department, or do we call DBPR, or how are we going to enforce this? Um, so I think, you know, one of the things, and Dr. Akinger and I got to speak yesterday, and one thing you mentioned to me yesterday that you might want to express here is um, the differences between, yes, we want everyone to wear a mask when they're inside, but some of the caveats, um, you had mentioned yesterday, a quick errand, you know, maybe running in and out of somewhere might not be as difficult. And I don't want to miss, mix up the message that masks aren't important because they absolutely are. But I think um, maybe talking about what we spoke about yesterday would be helpful, Dr. Akinger. Sure, sure, thank you. Thank you, Commissioner. Uh, it's, I think we, you know, we, we uh, I don't remember if it was a city commission meeting or if it was uh, the task force call, however, apologize because they all look the same to me because I'm staring at an iPad. Um, but <laughs> we talked about time, you know, exposure, it's time and distance, right? It's the, it's that, um, you gotta multiply those two together. So, uh, yeah, I think if you're, uh, going to run into the post office and drop off a few letters and spend a couple minutes in the room, you're, you're not going to be putting many respiratory droplets into the air. Um, but if you're going to be in a waiting room um, for, uh, of course, nobody ever waits more than five minutes at the Watson Clinic, of course. Um, but 
Yes, cue the laughter, okay, yes. Um, you know, if you're having a, a waiting time where uh, you're spending a long time in a waiting room, uh, you might be sitting next to somebody for 30 to 40 minutes. Uh, that's a much different exposure risk than passing by somebody um, very briefly uh, in a store. And, and I think this is nuance that is really difficult to deal with. Um, and so we have to keep the message simple. Uh, the more complicated you make the message, the more difficult it's going to be. And I'm not a legal, I'm not a legal expert. I, I just I, I come to you to bring bring my expertise and what I what I think is important and what is the best move at this time for the community. But I, but I do think that you know this is leadership that's going to have to come. You know, the the the, the, the city leaders are are, are going to be you know, forced to sort of make that and make that decision. Are we gonna are we gonna lead on this or are we going to to be behind on this one? Um, I think you just have to believe it comes down to believing the numbers. Um, do you do you believe in the science that we're what we're seeing? Are you interpreting this as um, you know this is not a second wave. This is the first wave that never went away. Um, this is what happens when you have the illness in your in your community and you start to let it spread around. Um, we've seen it through the news in multiple other communities. I, I don't know what else could possibly be done to to try to wake wake people up that this is a serious serious threat. Um, what we want to do is we want to do something, and then everyone to tell us later on, "Wow, you guys just really overreacted." You know, um, how, how how dumb was that? I, I would love that. I would love people to say, "You know what? You really overreacted because." What happened then is we saved a lot of lives because Danielle and Mr. Roman, you're not going to have to get refrigerated trucks out there because they run out of space in the morgue. Um, we want to avoid that type of situation in Lakeland. That's, that's not a good look for our community. Um, I don't want there to be a second shutdown. I mean, the last thing, trust me, uh, it was very, very hard on my organization. I don't want a stand on elective surgeries. I don't want people to be told you can't get, talk about individual rights. There's a 60-day stay order that told people you can't get that knee replaced that you needed replaced for your doctor's been saying you need for the last year. You can't get it done. I mean, that's a severe restriction on individual rights. And we just have to understand that things can't be completely as normal going forward. And further shutdowns are going to really, really impact our economy. They're going to impact our personal autonomy. Um, and I don't want that to happen again. So I think... Um, yes, yeah, so there are lots of exceptions. I re I've read the proposed statute. There are lots of exceptions. We have we got to be a little careful that those exceptions um, aren't make it just completely unenforceable. Um, but there is that nuance, like uh, uh, Commissioner McCarley is saying, that um, if you're doing a low risk situation, you know maybe if you are going to make an exception, right? If you are going to make an exception to a business. Is it a business where people spend a short period of time? Um, they come in, they come out quickly. It's a 7-Eleven, you grab a Gatorade and run. Um, there's not one size fits all. Uh, that, that's the problem here. Um, I think that it's important that, you know, if you're, a, if you're a business that doesn't bring vulnerable people into your building, you know, maybe, maybe the mask mandate's not as important. Uh, but for a business like us, it's real important and, and, and to, and, to, and, to, and to not have the city behind us on this, it's difficult to, to, to get the enforcement, to get the compliance rate up to where we would like it. 
above 90%, 95%. And if I could just add a brief comment to, um, in support of Dr. Ockender's comments and in respect to the, the business impact, um, you know, I think we, based on our experience to date in, you know, caring for COVID patients and the impact that that has had, um, you know, we have tried to make our lessons learned available to the business community. We put together a resource guide um, with, you know, what we have seen and what we put together in the way of policies and procedures. But I think with that spirit in mind that we really do want to be here as a resource to the business community. Um, you know, my um, advocacy on this issue is, you know, beyond just looking at our healthcare capacity, which I think is, is a top priority. But in addition, we're really looking out for the good of the businesses in Lakeland um, and beyond. And we know that if there would be an employee that would, you know, become positive because of an exposure, um, you know, in their place of work or out in the community, that could be crippling to uh, a local business if that, um, you know, then spread to other employees or depending on the size of the business, if it's a key, you know, person in that organization, it could be very problematic um, for them to be able to, um, you know, continue their operations in the way that we know they so desperately want to, um, given what we've all been through. So I just want to make that point as well, that I, I really think it's something that, you know, all business owners should consider what the benefit could be um, if they knew that this was really providing protection, both for, um, you know, their employees as well as uh, patrons that are coming to them for services. Um, to that end, I have spoken to um, businesses in other uh, jurisdictions where they're mandated out of state, and the business's response typically is it was too hard for us to enforce when people came in if they said they didn't want to wear a mask. And then it made our other customers not feel like we were um, enforcing it uh, for everyone. And so uh, it makes it much easier when there, when there was a mandate for us to just insist that's the way it needs to be. It's interesting. I got an email even from Wegmans, you know, which is one of public's highly respected competitors in the Northeast that taught that shows the sign as you walk in requiring masks and uh, the compliance uh, uh, as people come into the store. And it just makes it simpler to, uh, to be able to be done. Uh, the enforcement really becomes then the peer pressure side to side much more than it is a policeman coming out and writing the fine that would be part of this uh, declaration as well, which could be done, but it was, is, is, less their reality. Their reality is that people understand it's required. They walk out, get a mask, come back in or go somewhere else. And then it enabled them to have many more customers be in line and feel like they were in line safely six feet apart. Um, Daniel, while you are talking and before Commissioner Walker goes, could you also comment, uh, comment on your concern with respect to uh, ICU capacity uh, and what you've seen historically? Um, sure. So, you know, again, we have been near our current capacity for our ICU beds. Um, we have the ability uh, to be able to convert um, additional, you know, I, additional hospital beds in our facility to that ICU level of care. So while, um, you know, we certainly have plans in place to be able to, you know, accommodate that surge, um, what we have been seeing over the course of the last several days and several weeks is a much higher utilization of those ICU beds and by a younger patient population than we have seen historically. So I think it's something that, um, you know, remains a high concern for us. And I know as we have uh, regular communication amongst the area healthcare providers, both in Polk County, as well as um, Hillsborough and other counties in the areas, 
um, this is a trend that everyone is is noting um, as of late. So that is certainly something that uh, remains a, a key criteria for us um, that causes us to have significant concern at this time. Thank you, Commissioner Walker. Thank you, thank you Mr. Mayor. And, and again, thank you to Dr. Ockinger and, and Mrs. Drummond for providing us the information that you so dearly um, have no want to share and, and have shared. And, and hearing from your the healthcare perspective, I think it's important, uh, as we all have said, uh, to receive the kind of information you, sh you share with us about our, your concerns for our local community and, and how best um, things be, can be handled or be supported to help you know bring about a better situation for the, the pandemic that we're dealing with. And of course, also uh, knowing that we just we don't want another shutdown. You, we, I agree with you, Dr. Arkansas. We don't want to see another one of those uh, happening here in our local community. But I too uh, would agree. I think we're, I think it might have been Commissioner McCauley saying or sharing. You know, I'm concerned about you know the enforcement aspect of it. Uh, if we should do something like this, and um, I'm concerned because we're still seeing protests around us around our country, and and, I, and I'm I'm concerned about you know if if, if it goes to war. I know some cities. Utilize the code enforcement uh, 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 department versus the, uh, the police department, uh, and, I, and I can appreciate that because of what's going on with you know this uh, the, uh, soundbite between uh, uh, city citizens or uh, government and, and their police department and law enforcement agencies, and they even talk about defunding uh, the, the department uh, law enforcement agencies. So I, I, I'm wrestling, I'm wrestling with that because I know. Yes, I would agree. I don't want any of the hurt, harm, or danger to come to any of us. Uh, and of course, I know things and uh, the outcome of whatever you deal with, you're going to have some repercussions. And we deal with repercussions as best we can. But how can we still deal with the situation, especially because of the enforcement of it, and still have that become, um, um, I think, more, I guess, bearing it better? than uh, utilizing, again, I, I would not want to use us, uh, and I'm sharing this with openly among my uh, colleagues, the police department, because I think what's happening in our country today with law enforcement and, uh, and, sit and the citizens. Um, any other comments with respect to Commissioner Walker's comment? Uh, Commissioner Franklin. You're still muted, sir. Just another comment on the topic of enforcement, because that's been my greatest concern. And, and looking at the proposed ordinance, um, I don't personally feel that it's enforceable. And I'm a really bad fan of putting laws on the books that can't be enforced. Um, and, and Tony, I'll kind of put you on the spot here because you haven't had a chance to chime in on anything. But when, um, when we had the shutdown for a while for parks and that sort of thing, I spoke to you one day because it just had caught my attention as I was driving around Lake Hollingsworth. I was seeing a number of people during the shutdown who were continuing to ride bikes and walk and things like that and, and actually going right by our police officers who were sitting in the Yacht Club parking lot. And I'm not proposing that they should have been arrested or anything like that, but my, my question to you then was, what? why are we, we have these these measures in place and if our police aren't going to enforce them, why do we do that? And, and, and you, your response then was, we really don't want to be putting our police in these confrontational situations with citizens. And I understand that. My concern, you know, Mayor, I read in Lakeland now over the weekend, 
that, uh, and this was attributed as a quote, but said uh, that you had said that you were looking for this to promote enforcement capability for business owners. I just wonder who's actually going to do the enforcing on this. And even if it were going to be the police, do we even have that capacity? Are police going to be running all over the city of Lakeland looking to try to enforce things when people are calling 911 with, with mask violations? And also the, the way the proposed ordinance was written that we were shared uh, over the weekend, it said you could go into a place of business, assuming the, the business didn't uh, mandate masks, and you weren't required to wear one as long as you maintain proper social distancing. So I can tell you just over the last few weeks of going into places like, you know, Home Depot and Publix, if you're not wearing a mask, you can just about get into confrontations. It gets very ugly and it gets heated. And I think with the teeth of an ordinance like this on the, out there that our police are not going to be enforcing, we know that's not realistic. I think we're putting business owners in a very bad situation. I think we're going we're gonna to stir uh, potentially a lot of hostility between our citizens. I just, I don't know that this, this is something that could be enforced with an ordinance. And if we can't do it, I would recommend that we not. And I would be much more in favor of doubling down on our education efforts, maybe pass a resolution encouraging them. But, but personally, my thought is the spike that we've seen over the last week or so is in direct response to really everyone kind of going crazy Memorial Day and beyond after being cooped up for several months and completely throwing social distancing out the window. And, you know, I know we talked about, Dr. Ockinger, you had mentioned that, um, you know, masks are a low-cost mitigation factor. I mean, I would agree compared to a lot of things we could do, but there's nothing cheaper than social distancing. And that's absolutely free. And I think that if we encourage that more in people and, and actually put our, you know, live by example, and I think that um, we would start to see a drop in this. Those are just my thoughts. I, I'm not in favor of putting anything into place that we can't enforce or have a stomach to enforce. And my comment really is that when someone else, where else wears the black hat, it's either easier for businesses to say this is a mandatory uh, change. And so we can talk about enforcement. I, I have to tell you that I think when we, um, if, if we relied on six foot only, there's people that come into your circle or in certainly into my circle all the time that I don't want to have be in that circle that are unmasked. And um, because I can't, you can't pass people in at certain places. It's just going to happen. And people are having conversations that you're, that have spit going into there when they're talking. So we can, we can want to rely on this. We don't see it happening. We do not see the social response taking place that we would like in light of the fact that we're in a nation that has had over 120,000 people die. We are not taking it seriously that that impacts my home. And I would, I would suggest that I think to some degree that's happened because people haven't had as many personal examples in their own realm of influence um, as uh, others and those who have and those who are concerned and those who have vulnerable people want us dramatically We're, there, there's voices on both sides of this and there and it isn't that you're, you're kind of taking a vote on it but it is very highly supported by a large segment of our uh, population and those people aren't going out into businesses and if masks were in place businesses that are worrying that people wouldn't come i truly believe would find that they get more people who will come because they know they are protected. And um, 
I, it isn't the enforcement side of it that's strong. It's the enabling to make it a policy side of it that, that helps the businesses uh, as we go along. And yes, we do need to deal with the enforcement. We should talk about how we do that. But primarily, it's going to be the fact that this is a mandatory city policy if it were in place, which needs to be enforced in my business. And so that person makes a decision to stay in the store or go out. And they don't have to wear a mask, but they do have to leave the store. And um, we don't find this being a big issue nationally where these enforcement issues are in place. We're not hearing about that. People comply. And beyond that, I think we live in a community where the vast majority of our people are very concerned about others. And I have great um, empathy, or I, I have great um, uh, encouragement that people would move very willingly into this mandatory policy. Yeah, and Bill. if I could, Mayor, I could share a personal experience. I happened to be visiting a family in a, in a state where it was a state mandate. And um, I would support your comments that um, it was just sort of an accepted, everyone did it. Um, was, there was really no one uh, that was not um, complying. It had, it's been in place now for several weeks. Um, and I, I do think as the um, you know, cultural sets in, uh, that that is something that people just have sort of accepted that that's what you do when you go anywhere. Um, again, looking out for the protection of um, you know, others as well as themselves. Um, and then just the one other point I'd make to you from a timing perspective, um, you know, I guess in the context of the numbers that I've shared, um, you know, just an important um, underscore on that is, you know, this is typically our uh, least busy time of the year at Lake Ridge Health Medical Center. It's the middle of the summer. It's when our typically we're seeing a big drop off in, in volumes. So the volumes we have today, while higher than they were a few weeks ago, um, when you compare them to, um, you know, this time of the season um, are certainly higher. And I think um, that's why we also have this sense of urgency. So not only are we seeing a, a strong increase over the last several days and weeks, however, um, when we look to the future, you know, we know that come the fall, we're going to have additional um, patients coming to us with um, you know, influenza and, and other types of illnesses that are more prevalent um, in the fall and winter months. So I feel as though there is a sense of urgency, um, you know, to take some action now that will allow us uh, to better uh, manage the case volume and the severity of illness for patients coming to us now so that we can ensure that we can remain, you know, ready to be able to uh, care for the number of patients that will come our way uh, as we continue to go through the latter half of the year. Commissioner Mann. Thank you, um, Danielle, for also talking about the time-sensitive nature, because I think it's important to know that, um, you know, I wouldn't particularly be a mask wearer. I mean, you know, I would be more of a libertarian, typically. Um, but when you start to see the numbers in their, in your neighborhood, it's different than you're watching them in another state. And that's why I tried to talk about <laughs> the hurricane analogy, because I think Floridians are used to seeing that cone and they're able to appropriately get the right amount of water and do the necessary precautions to keep them safe based on if it's gonna be in their, you know, that's in their trajectory or not. And, you know, if you think that it's far away or it's not coming to your neighborhood, then it does just seem punitive in nature to require, you know, the, for government to do these mandates or to take away liberties. Um, I do think it's time sensitive. I do feel a sense of urgency. I, it sounds like at least four of my colleagues have mentioned that they would prefer, you know, more of a public education, you know, a, you know, attempt before um, any kind of mandate. And certainly it would take, you know, a majority here today to 
to enforce the ordinance, and I, I don't know for sure if we could get that majority today. I do want to point to Chad's comments um, because he, it is in his business to do PR. Um, I, he also mentioned Bridge Local, so I just texted Chrisanne Long because I had not heard that Bridge Local did a, um, you know, kind of a survey of their membership. And I, and, and I don't know if we've had time to have a, a survey of the chamber, but I would say if you asked me if I thought mass should be mandated two weeks ago, I would have said emphatically no. But you know, having over 300 cases in the last three days, and it's not a nursing home, and it's not a you know a migrant farm. It's in your general population, it's young people and it's asymptomatic carriers. To me, as someone who's not typically prone to be overly cautious, I mean, I have six kids, five boys, I'm slow to go to the doctor, just have an ACL reconstruction. I'm glad Dr. Ockingers at Watson Clinic was able to restore his um, ACL on Friday and uh, sew up a tear in his meniscus so we can get that before next spring's lacrosse season. I am with Dr. Ackinger here. I think, oh my gosh, do we do we think our rights have not been taken away? I mean, a 60-day order to not be able to have my child's ACL reconstructed, um, to have my dad. I, I mentioned the heart patient last time, the Dr. Ackinger. It was my own father who would not go in and have his heart checked on because he didn't want to get COVID in the waiting room. Um, our business was shut down. Every Businesses were shut down. And I think businesses have fatigue and they don't want to wrestle with customers. They don't want to be the ones that have to be the enforcers because they just want to survive. Uh, they just want to be open. They just want everything to be back to normal. And I think everyone does. But if it's not normal right now, it will be. I just had one of my employees at Madden for the first time being caught, you know, they're in the phone call with them contact tracing. You know, we've had a firefighter. We are starting to have people in our community and that makes a big difference. Using hypotheticals and making mitigation strategies when it's still, you don't even know a person who has a case is much different than when it's your employee and now they have to be mandated quarantine for, for two weeks. And what if they're the only one who knew how to operate that machinery? Those have all been kind of in plan and preparation mode for the hurricane that's not coming. Now I think it's here. I'm hopeful, like Dr. Ockinger said, that we will be crazy over, you know, prepared. Um, but I would sure rather it be, if it has to be something, I, I'll wear a mask. Just let me stay open. I will, I will do, that is, in, that's easy and it's deep. And just don't shut down my business again. Don't shut down the hospital and not let them do procedures again. And so I do think we've already done a lot of taking away people's rights and people are frustrated and they're fed up with it but i just don't want them to be so fed up that's why i think it's the boy who cried wolf because now people are like this is all not even real we've been doing all this i've lost my business i've lost all this revenue i've lost all this time i've been staying at home and it's not doing anything and then now when we finally actually might have to do some of these things because it's in our city now no one wants to do it. So I did text um, Christine Long back and say, do your, do your folks know that we've had over 300 cases in three days? That's different. Um, did they know all the facts that our hospital ICU beds are more full than they have been? Um, I, I, just, I, I just wanted to kind of express some of my opinions because you know me, I stood up alone as the one person who faced a lot of hate mail to keep our trails and parks open because I had seen the science that not much spread happened outdoors and that people need exercise to stay healthy. 
I'm not one to want to mandate or take away rights or any, but I feel like there is a sense of urgency I'm hearing from Danielle and from Dr. Ockinger. And I, whether it's a public campaign, if that's what my colleagues can, if that's the only thing they'll get on board with, I think it starts like I need, we need to go up to City Hall today and put our masks on and do a video or whatever to let people know that it's a little different right now. It's Monday morning in Lakeland, Florida than it has been in the last weeks and months. I think it's far less about taking away rights than it is about protecting lives. That is the, that's the measure that we have to really think about. And if you want to keep the businesses open and thriving and people flowing and parks working and all the things that we are now enjoying, then you have to do be as drastic as necessary to protect the number one way we can manage transmission of this. And so um, I, I think for us to go public policy on this, let's make some statements, let's encourage, let's do some posters, is way light from the need that is exhibited by the numbers. Mr. Delgado, you've been quiet. Um, could you weigh in a little bit? And, and by the way, uh, before you do, and I'll interrupt, my, interrupt you in that process, do we need Dr. Ackinger and uh, Danielle on any longer? Um, if you want to keep them on, we can, but I want to be sensitive to their time. Your thoughts? Um, is it okay? Have you asked all the questions medically you'd like to ask? It's really, I guess, the other way I could ask that question. Yes? Okay, then if we need to get back to you, we will. We really appreciate you carving out that time, unless there are any closing statements you'd like to make. If I could just make a quick comment that I just hasn't quite come out, I, I think that, I think what the commissioners are grappling with is, um, yes, it's an emergency meeting. It's like this, this happened overnight. Um, education is important and, 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 and I, and I want to, reassure the commissioners uh, this has been going on this educational process has been going on uh, we've been promoting this message um, so the the idea out there that there's somebody who doesn't who isn't aware that people believe that, that the science uh, is in favor of mask wearing I just can't find that person I, I find people who have a have an opinion one way or another but there's nobody who hasn't heard of this in my view I, I Perhaps there are a few, but I just have not run into any. And the issue of this developing all of a sudden, um, the Lakeland Opening Task Force meeting about three weeks ago, I made a highlight of the increasing numbers. Now, at the time, it was a small rate of increase. This rate of increase is nothing new. It started early June, first noticeable, uh, as Commissioner um, Franklin had mentioned, after the... Uh, about 10 days following the Memorial Day weekend, but it was noticeable then. There was a doubling in the rate. We got down to about uh, uh, countywide, about 13 cases per day, uh, Polk Countywide with the shutdown, but the disease never went away. It's, when the reopening started, there was a slow uptick, but within 15 days of that opening, we saw a doubling of the case volume. People don't react to that. But that's the important metric. How fast is the case volume going up? Not exactly how many people are going to react to how many people they're seeing ill. But what's important to the epidemiologist is how fast is this growing? And that first notice, that was the first signal. Um, and, and perhaps an opportunity was missed there. But that signal, it was alerted 
to 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 the to the task force. That at that point, there is an increase in our in our rates, and we're starting to see the beginnings of what happens when we have the reopening. So I want to make sure that the commission understands that these signals were there, um, and the opportunity was to start aggressive educational campaign. But there is a resistance to believe out there. Let's just be honest with it. Um, there's a resistance to believe the science. Uh, it's something that I, I preach until I'm blue in the face. I spend a lot of my time talking to people about things that they can't sense themselves, their blood pressure, their kidney function, okay? We have to believe the science. We have to believe what the numbers are telling us. And three weeks ago, they were telling us there's a problem, not because there was a massive number of cases then, but because the cases were showing up at twice the rate that they were showing up two weeks prior. And I think I'll end with that. Thank you very much. And, uh, yeah, um, I'll just, uh, in summary, you know, say I, I definitely agree with all of Dr. Ockinger's comments. I um, am very appreciative for the opportunity to, to get to be with you this morning and, and share our perspective and for you um, listening and, and considering this topic. I understand, uh, you know, the difficulties in it. Um, but again, as Dr. Ockinger said, you know, I, I think this is something that we have been closely monitoring um, and really bringing it forward now um, because of significant concerns uh, that we have here locally. And I do think that while it is difficult, um, you know, from a policy perspective that, you know, when you look around other places in the country and the world um, that have had uh, high numbers of cases and, and increasing quickly, um, the, the use of, you know, widespread mask adoption and mandates has been shown uh, to be able to, to flatten the growth and to, you know, allow more people to avoid um, you know, having all the complications that come along with this and allow their economies to get more back to normal um, under the current circumstances. So again, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you both very, very much for your time. And I know that was sudden. We appreciate it. And we'll get back to you with any other questions if we have them close to meeting. Um, so that would bring you, City Manager Delgado, to where you can weigh in. And I didn't mention earlier that Ramona Siriani is uh, replacing our city attorney in this meeting because uh, he is on vacation, which is well earned. So, uh, Mr. Delgado. Well, first and foremost, I appreciate the commission getting together so quickly after uh, um, we, we scheduled this meeting. I know that uh, your time is uh, important, and uh, obviously the community understands that too. So thank you for for uh, allowing us to work uh, hard over the weekend in order to get this prepared and for you all being so uh, reasonable and, 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 and wanting to, to discuss this issue, this, this policy issue. I can tell you from a city of Lakeland perspective, we continue to advance our education and will so throughout this entire pandemic. I think you've seen some things that we've done here recently on social media. We'll continue to do that, we'll ramp up and continue to, to find other campaigns that make sense. Um, the, the bottom line goal of all that is to get people to understand, as Dr. Ockinger said, that people to understand that th this is real. Um, we noticed after uh, some of the governor's executive orders that had been passed that uh, many people were getting back out on the street and, and obviously pent up uh, energy, uh, I believe, was a big part of that. And so we've noticed a lot of people getting back out. So the community is once again trying to get back in some level of normalcy. Um, with the 
uh, executive order or the de declaration, and, and as you've reviewed it, we tried to be as minim minimally punitive as possible, uh, trying to take some of the best options from other communities' executive orders or resolutions. I, I think you'll find that there. Um, you know, with those other communities, enforcement seems to run the gamut. Uh, everything from code enforcement officers, of which we only have a handful, so I, I'm obviously a little concerned about that, to, to police departments handling that enforcement. But the, the key, it seems, from most of the other communities is try to take a velvet hammer approach and basically try to get people to understand that we're going to give warnings and we're, we're going to hope that you understand and that you take this seriously before becoming more punitive. And that's what we've seen from so many of the other communities. Um, obviously, we're, we have a number of people who've reached out over the weekend once they knew this meeting was going to take place. I'm sure you have too. It looks like we have well over 50 phone calls on the line. I suspect that you will all give them an opportunity to speak also. But from, from a staff perspective, we're ready to move forward with any policy decision you make. If it's to go ahead and and, and establish this declaration. Um, as I said, again, our goal is not to be punitive, very similar to what Commissioner Franklin brought up initially. And, and back then, a lot of us didn't understand, and I know I didn't, what the magnitude was of the pandemic. I mean, when people were utilizing the trails and, and those type of things, we were being told at the time that as long as you passed each other, um, there was more than likely a, no reason to be concerned. Um, but, you know, as we're, as we're hearing more and more, I think uh, from a staff perspective, we're ready to move forward uh, with the idea that we'll try to be minimally punitive if we can and, and work with those businesses and others, uh, especially the office spaces, with trying to get them as much information as possible. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Thank you, sir. And I think that it just underscores the fact it is far less about um, interrupting individual rights, far less about how we are um, going to have confrontations, much more about community consideration in the process uh, of people working together in, as they go forward. Um, one of our staff has just gotten back from a trip to the Virgin Islands who said, you know, there's not a sign anywhere in any business um, that says wear a mask, you know, no, there's none. It's just mandated in everywhere. Everyone wears masks and nobody's working about trying to do something else. They're just on and they're keeping their numbers lower as a result of that, which is important. And they've been doing it for over a month and they're not. Um, it's become more cultural. This is not life as normal. And so I think we don't want to think about it as life as normal. This is about protecting life so it can become more normal because that's where we are. Uh, I saw a hand. Yes, Commissioner McCarley. And then Commissioner so Tony, Sorry, Tony, thank you, Mayor. Could you just share with the public like what we've done in our public spaces as far as City Hall and maybe the public libraries and what, because I know we've done a lot of signage and a lot of anything that we control as a government, um, as the city, there have been parameters put in place. Could you just highlight those for the community to know that that's one of the things we've been doing as not only an employer, but as um, a public space? Uh, thank you. Thank you, Commissioner McCarley. Yes, I'll, I'll try to go as quickly as I can, because there's a lot of things in a lot of different public spaces that we've been managing over the past couple months, three months. You know, we took it. You took and we took a, a bit of a conservative approach in reopening 
when many of our sister communities were moving a little bit quicker. We wanted to do that in order so that we could have proper protocols put into place. Uh, from the outside, when you look at our recreation facilities, we just opened playgrounds last week uh, because we wanted to make sure that we could disinfect and have a reasonable opportunity to go ahead and do that as, as children were playing. Many of our open public facilities, though, we continue to go ahead and ask the magic three, four questions. Uh, we take temperature checks as people come in. Uh, if somebody does not, uh, unfortunately, meet the, the required temperature threshold, we, we don't allow them in. When you come into City Hall, Lakeland Electric, some of those business offices, we do the same there with those same protocols. And if you don't have a mask, we provide you a mask. While you're inside this facility, and if you don't work here, which gives us, because every worker that comes into our facilities will monitor themselves, uh, they will take personal temperature checks in order to get into the building. If they're sick, we tell them to stay home. We don't want them here uh, because we are not sure exactly what, what they, they're con you know, contagion to or, or what they might spread. Um, when you come but as, as we're dealing with the general public, uh, we continue to do the similar, as well as an increased amount of cleaning, cleaning and disinfection. If you've been to Kelly Rec lately, now that the governor's allowed for gymnasiums to be open and workout areas and, and those type of things to be open, you will notice there's somebody sitting outside to make sure that you go through those protocols. And once inside, you'll notice that we've separated some of the gym equipment as well as increased the, uh, the amount of disinfection that, we, that we're doing. The library for a very, very long extended time was just doing uh, drive up. So you would literally call or text or email what you were looking to have and the library would meet you outside in order to do that. And we continue to try to uh, ask people to utilize those social distancing practices if they don't need to be in certain facilities. Um, and as a matter of fact, as we were moving through this process, even permitting using virtual permitting inspection options, we continue to go ahead and use. Now the city has gotten a little bit back to normal. We've brought back many of our non-essential and work from home employees. However, you will notice that we haven't gotten rid of or have, 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 uh, have done away with the declaration as of yet. Just in case we were have to go ahead and revert back to some of those practices, we're prepared to go ahead and do that too. Commissioner Walker, did you have a question? Uh, no question, uh, Mr. Mayor, but uh, uh, because it's time now for us to have our dialogue, I'd like to share, if I, if I may, and, and thank you, uh, Mr. Delgado, for saying or sharing that with our public that will be listening or even watching uh, this particular emergency meeting. And certainly, you know, that's what we have our control. We have control over what, you know, we can do because of being, um, having facilities, as we call it, our own governmental uh, facilities and, and be able to help support as best we can what need to be done to help um, ward off, as, as for lack of a better word, the COVID-19 kind of um, situation that they're spreading of it or whatever. And, and that's certainly appreciative because I know we're, we're concerned about our own employees as well as those who are be coming into our facilities. But I, I agree with, I think a couple of comments already made. My, my, uh, my, still my concern is enforcement, um, especially when you have uh, places where people go, and, and I heard that um, Dr. Akinji mentioned about, he used an analogy, I think, of a 7-Eleven store where that's, there's a, you know, one that's right in the heartbeat of the uh, core African-American community. I'm in there quite a bit, and usually the only, I'm the only one that got a mask. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, what's, what's the deal here? 
of course, the uh, employees behind this shielded um, ca uh, area where you uh, cashiers are, are protected, but everyone walk around, you know, pretty much unmasked. Um, and I'm concerned about that because I know that's, again, the disproportionate numbers we're seeing among people of color. Um, but if we move forward, as I hear you say, uh, Mr. Delgado, and other communities who have done this, I, I'm challenged by, you know, this is a Lakeland thing. It's not a Polk County thing. It's not a state of Florida thing, as we do know. But, you know, we do have those pockets in our community called Lakeland where, you know, we it would not continue with the, the, the uh, geographical area is not all uh, contiguous. So I just have that challenge with what may or may not happen. And then the enforcement again of how and who, if we should get the call and the light of, not taking light of what's happening now with our law enforcement agencies and not want to get involved with all that possible confrontation. But if I heard you say, and I think I heard the mayor say, it feels like this will go into effect. It will be just everybody knows and, you know, should be a pretty much follow suit. I, I don't see that happening. Mr. Franklin. Thank you, Mayor. Um, just a couple more comments. I believe, personally, I believe that the resistance the public has to the science is because the experts themselves have continually, from the beginning of this, waffled all over the place on what they think is right and wrong. We still don't know. Uh, so that, that does lead to a lot of public skepticism about what actions are actually going to have an impact. Uh, but what we do know is the, the body that we as a commission stood up a few weeks ago, the Reopen Lakeland Task Force did deliberate this at length on Friday, and that group decided that they didn't feel that an ordinance was in the best interest of the community, and so they rejected that. Uh, Chris Ann uh, sent us the, the results of her poll over the weekend. She polled somewhere between 85 and 90 different folks, different businesses. It was more than two to one against any sort of mandate like this. Uh, I've had, as all of us have had, several hundred now emails since Saturday noon, and I've kind of gone through those, and, and it, you know, not, I don't have a, a specific tally, but I can just tell them looking at what I've seen, overwhelmingly, the public is not in favor of this. Um, I'm very cautious about the types of things that we pass as an ordinance. I personally don't want to ever look back. Uh, the, my time that I'm on the commission, we look back and say, well, that was a dumb idea. You know, we throw, we throw something against the wall and, to see if it works, and, and it didn't work, and we go, gee, that was a bad idea. Uh, I think every time we do something like this, it, it, there is a large element of personal freedom in here that I'm deeply concerned about. I see it at all levels of our government. I see it absolutely at the federal level, which is why I'm interested in trying to do something there. And I wouldn't have thought I would have seen it here at our local level, but I think every time we do something like this that chips away at our personal freedoms, we numb ourselves and we, we just voluntarily give it up. Uh, the public is telling us they don't want it. The scientists can't agree exactly. I mean, we, yes, there's no doubt that we're seeing a spike in cases, uh, and that's going to continue to rise as more and more people get out there in public. But there is no conclusive evidence that face coverings, not N95s, not surgical masks, that just homemade face coverings are going to prevent the spread of COVID. And uh, even our proposed uh, ordinance that we're talking about even says we don't want people using N95s and surgical masks because those need to be used for the professionals. We're asking people to make homemade coverings that 
have been proven to not be very effective. I mean, that's a fact. And, um, it, and if they're worn improperly, they can cause as much damage as good. We have people that don't need to wear them. I mean, that actually can have concerns, whether it's PSD or asthma or uh, contact dermatitis or all sorts of issues that can come from those. It's not being called for by the public. I'm firmly against it. We can take calls for the next three days, but I'm, I'm going to vote against it no matter how this plays. So those are my thoughts. Well, I think you're making some strong statements about it not being called for by the public because of people who are calling against it that have been vocal. And I and, and um, there have been many, many calls for, for the public, calling for it from the public for a month with us that we've gotten emails on. Uh, people saying we need to protect our citizens, we need to be more drastic. This is, an, this is about protecting lives and the body of evidence not saying masks scientifically aren't beneficial. There are scientists who say that. The large body of evidence, the large medical community talks about masks being critical. And if they weren't, they wouldn't be worn in the healthcare community in groups. So, and where we see better recoveries is it occurs in the countries where masks are more socially normal in the Asian countries. And that's one of the reasons I control them. I was wrong, by the way, on my um, cover your face or no service uh, in the Virgin Islands because that person sent me, there actually is a sign that says cover your face or no service and the uniformity they saw there. Um, we, we can do masks, hand washing and social distancing. Those are the three things that really make the most incredible difference. We take the number one item, masks, away, and we expose our community at a time where we know we're going in a rise, and it's primarily because we're concerned about protecting people who don't want to wear a mask, concerned about enforcing masks instead of focusing on the lives that will be saved by wearing those masks. Commissioner McLeod. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. And yeah, I would just say that, as we know, this is a tough issue. We've seen over the weekend, there are passions coming on, on both sides of this discussion and people who firmly believe that one or another approach is right. And so here we are, you know, we are grappling with what do we do? What do we do as a community? And I, and I think both of those viewpoints, uh, we can we can hold those simultaneously and say, where, where, where do we go with this? We want to protect our community, uh, but but I do think there's a consideration for a mandate being a drastic measure that we don't wield lightly. Uh, I think there is skepticism because early on it was recommended masks for people who were symptomatic, and then it was a little more encouraged. And now we're coming uh, to the table and say, we're, we're going to uh, propose a mandate, and I do think people are asking if we're mandating this today, what might we mandate tomorrow? And that there's deep concern, uh, valid concern, I would say, over that. Um, I think if we if we want to increase compliance, um, to look at how can we do that outside of of a mandate. I, I think it was Saturday morning, uh, maybe Sunday morning in the Tampa Bay Times, uh, accounts of people in Ybor City who are running around not wearing a mask, even though there is a, a, an ordinance in Tampa uh, I've heard similar reports in Orange County. There are ordinances, there are no enforcement penalties. So um, I think Commissioner Franklin mentioned why even have one if there are if we're not going to enforce it. So I, I think there's a better route. Um, I, I, I hear the concern and I think we, we do need to be concerned about the rising numbers for sure in the situation uh, at, at the hospital. Um, so that picture has been painted and we haven't sounded that alarm and to show up and say now we're going to do a mandate. I just, I, I can't get behind that. 
All right, um, we don't have a motion on the floor to accept the emergency order. So if we were going, it would probably be prudent if we were gonna do that, then we'd need a motion and a second uh, to do that. Otherwise, um, uh, if there is not a second to a motion to not do that, we don't have anything else left to discuss. So there is no motion to accept the executive order and we will not do a mask mandate. And the result of that will be in the numbers. Mr. We'll Mayor, yes. Mr. Mayor, I would say that there are a number of callers online that have called in. Um, they, they may choose not to speak given, given there was no motion to approve the emergency order, but um, they should be given an opportunity to speak. Okay. Um, Kevin, it is your uh, show. We will limit those talk, those, um, but what needs to happen is you need to state your name and address, and then um, uh, you have two minutes to talk. And Kevin, take it from here. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. So Sarah Bentley, you've been waste, waiting patiently since the get-go. Sarah Bentley, it's your chance to speak to the city commission. Sarah Bentley, go. All right, without that, we're going to David Fairwood. David Fairwood, would you like to address the city commission? Thank you very much, Mr. Cook. Uh, uh, just a correction, my last name is Harewood, H-A-R-E-W-O-O-D. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much, thank you. Uh, first and foremost, I would like to introduce myself once again. My name is David Harewood, and I am a student of St. Petersburg College uh, Public Policy and Administration. Um, I currently live in Pinellas County, and I heard about this this morning as I was watching the news getting ready for work. So I canceled work, got on here, and joined this because I think this is a very important uh, situation, and it's not dealing with Pinellas, Polk County, Pasco County. It's a Florida thing. Um, you know, first and foremost, I do want to say that wearing a mask and educating people can help push the numbers down. Um, right now, we are in a position where timing, tolerance, politics, and power can save lives. Um, if we think about it, um, wearing seatbelts in the 70s and 80s um, was a choice. Um, it became mandated after people constantly lost their lives due, uh, in traffic crashes. Um, your odds of surviving a traffic crash today by wearing seatbelts is greatly in your favor. So I truly believe that wearing a mask, protecting yourself and protecting your neighbor um, will definitely drive those numbers down. And I just wanna thank everybody for that opportunity to speak and have a great day. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. Appreciate your comment. John Freed. John Freed, you've been waiting patiently. This is your chance. Yeah, thank you very much. For, thank you much for taking my call, uh, Mr. Mayor, City Commission. Um, I, uh, I am actually not in favor of a mask mandate. However, I am in favor of common courtesy and and uh, appreciation and respect from one citizen to another. So I think there are appropriate times where people maybe should consider wearing a mask. 
Uh, and there's been much discussion. Several of my statements I'll forego because of the decision that was made. However, um, as being part of the Reopen Lakeland Task Force, one of the complications that we saw was simply getting a message out to people. And uh, I think with the potential of a mandate that has surfaced here, it seems that the conversation of mask wearing in Lakeland has now taken center stage, uh, so to speak, everybody's talking about it. And so I think the city now has a greater opportunity to gain voluntary mask wearing uh, in, instead of, uh, well, so I, I guess instead of imposing now a mandate, but using this newfound high stage and attention that's gained, uh, make an appeal now for the, um, make an appeal for people wearing masks, if not even, in a sense, offer an ultimatum. Say, look, we're, we're holding back from this at this moment, but if the numbers rise, that, that type of thing, and see if there can be an increase of, of mask wearing uh, amongst the, the community. I did have some questions for the doctors. Uh, we'll, we'll, I'll forego that. Uh, and then, but one question concerning enforcement, if this does come down, uh, who would be responsible for penalty? Would business owners be responsible, uh, subject to penalty, if they're not enforcing the mandate, or is only the individual? I'm a pastor of a church, so am I subject to penalty as, as a pastor? Is the church subject to penalty if we don't uh, enforce the mask-wearing mandate inside the, the building, or are the individuals subject to mandate? I know that's a mute point if you're not issuing the mandate, but again, my, my offer of the suggestion of using the high stage, using the platform that you've now got the city's attention on the issue, hopefully it can be spun in a positive direction. Thank you very much. Thank you, that's great. Okay, right now we have a number of callers who have not been identified just because you logged in after the meeting started. So we're just going to go down the line, and if, unfortunately, you're all going to have to speak, and when your mic opens, we'll know. But there's you're going to go down on the number that you, you dialed in on. So we have a caller. And, rem and remind that this is a two-minute limit, please. Yes. So if you're a caller, please state your name, and you're ready to come in. Leah Esquivel. Take it away, Leah. I feel that the city of Lakeland should mandate face mask or a face covering. Should mandate face mask or a face covering. This is a health issue, and we need to protect all family members, children. Just making an emphasis to say it twice. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you have a background feedback. That if you could turn that speaker off and just talk, it would be better. Oh boy. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. I just feel that it's important for the city of Lakeland to to mandate face coverings at this moment. Everybody's life is on the line, and I think it's up to each other that we help each other out and we be a good neighbor, and I wear a face mask for you, and I'm asking you, will you please wear a face mask for me? I think we need to listen to the medical doctors. They know their science, and I really hope that we can put and not make this a political issue. This is a health issue. This is not like the flu. This virus knows no boundaries. It doesn't discriminate, and I would really hate for any of you board members to have a change of heart for those that are leaning on not imposing a face mask covering 
until it affects you personally, that would be awful. So we have to honor those who have lost their lives because of, because of COVID and their family members. And we need to stop the numbers from rising. The trend is atrocious these last week. It's frightening. I live with heart disease. I shouldn't be scared to go to the grocery store. I shouldn't be scared to go to my doctor's office, but I am. My children, I don't want any of my young four children who are in their 20s to get sick. My son. Leah, thank you. I, it's a two minute limit, but I know that you have concerns about it and we appreciate your comment very much. Caller, Michael Schwamm. Go ahead. Okay, this is Michael Schwamm. It's S-C-H-W-A-M. I lifted 50 Lake Hunter Drive in Lakeland in the Dixieland area. And uh, first of all, I want to thank everybody for taking the time to bring this up. I think it's really important. Um, I will tell you, I've been listening to the meeting from the beginning, and I am disgusted by some of these commissioners. And I am right now thoroughly embarrassed to say that I am a Lakelander. Okay, I'm going to tell you a quick story. I went to Watson Clinic the other day with a friend of mine who has a pacemaker. The elevator doors opened up. It was at the main campus. The elevator doors opened up, and not one person in that elevator had a mask on. The person I was with has a pacemaker. I think I told you that. Ended up walking up the steps. I called Watson Clinic afterwards, and I spoke to a person who identified herself as a senior administrator, and she said there's nothing she can do or they can do because it's not mandatory. How freaking sick is that? It's hard to believe that we're even having this conversation. You can't go into public with no shoes on. You're more worried about athlete slip than you are COVID. Are you, that, it's, it infuriates me to even listen that we're having this conversation. Encouraging, some of you say, let's encourage. Encouraging doesn't work, it's shown, it's proven. It's not working. If you're not willing to mandate masks, if you are sitting on that commission right now and you are not willing to mandate masks, you forfeit your right to say that you care about the health and well-being of the people in Lakeland. You forfeit it. Okay? I want you to know that. You could talk. There are a zillion reasons you can come up with for not mandating masks, enforcement, violation of rights, etc., all that stuff. And there's one reason to vote for masks. And that is to protect your citizens, to do something about it. Be a leader. Because I can tell you one thing. If it comes down later on in the governor, who we know the governor's situation, we know the political lines there. If he turns around and issues a face mask, you will look like a fool. Thank you. Thank you very much for your comments. Your time is up, and we appreciate them. Please state your name. Mary Ballou. Go ahead, Mary. Hey, um, thank you. I appreciate the no vote on the mandate. I am going to continue my uh, social distancing and hand washing and staying home when I'm sick. Um, I um, go out in public and I see many people with masks, and they're constantly touching them and pulling on them, and they 
see a friend coming, they pull the mask off and they start talking. Um, you know, I'm just thinking that it's mainly, uh, it's not um, stranger contact where you're probably going to get it. It's probably that friend you talked to when you pulled your mask down. Um, if people social distance, they don't have to worry about having a mask on. And I went to Watson Clinic and everybody had masks on. So I guess it just depends on what day you go. Um, and I wanted to say um, that um, I feel like the plexiglass is a good thing for keeping workers safe. Uh, strict protocols are in place in many areas without a mandate. Taking the, you know, you have to have your temperature taken to go in some places. Some places they'll hand you a mask, and I'm sure the majority of people take those masks and wear them. Um, so I just think uh, we can do a lot to keep ourselves safe without mandating masks. And I think it keeps it more on your mind, too, to stay back from somebody if you don't have a mask. And um, it does just really bother me to see. Um, people constantly touching their masks. Anyway, thank you, and we appreciate you. It's a hard decision, but I'm, I'm glad you guys put so much thought into it. Thank you very much for your comments and time. All right, caller, state your name. Hello, my name is Michael Causey. I want to thank you all for allowing us to participate in this today. I do not envy uh, your decision. I thank you for bringing the medical experts in. And so just for the sake of time, I'd like to just go through some of the questions that I have. Um, you know, I, I'm ne neither for nor against this because I'm not sure that the science supports it all yet. I know that uh, I'm a broadcast engineer and was considered essential personnel and have traveled as far as Deltona all the way over to Sarasota down to Fort Myers and provided support internationally. I'm also a student as well and in the throes of applying for a PhD in clinical psychology and, and just uh, staying really close to this, listening to Dr. Radio from NYU and Langone and the doctors there talking about it every day. And I just understand that some of the challenges that we face is our independent culture versus a collaborative culture. And we like that, that independence that we have. And uh, so I just want to, in, in New York, the numbers are low, uh, particularly uh, for the safer at home order. Do we know since they've allowed non-essential personnel, which is the construction of phase one um, construction workers, do we know that since that's happened and the mandate for masks are in place, has the, has the, uh, the numbers stayed down or increased because of that? All the other things are still closed there. Um, the, uh, are masks giving a false sense of security? Uh, with the uh, with the mask and everything, the COVID molecule is much smaller than what most masks pick up. So are the droplets still going through? Um, respiratory droplets uh, require 15 minutes, especially to the nose where the ACE2 proteins are more prevalent. Uh, is that where, you know, where, where's the science supporting that uh, and understanding? Are there any statistics on a mask-only society? So, you know, we see the lower numbers in New York, but that's because they've all been staying at home and only phase one lets a small group of people out of home. But do we have a, a mask wearing society that uh, supports the statistics? That 
Thank you very much for your questions. We are limited to two minutes. All right, caller, please state your name. Hi, my name is Crystal Wagner. Um, and I just wanted to say that I feel um, what is most at risk here today is the loss of our liberty, especially my children and their future. I understand the quick reaction to the greater good, but this is a country of individual freedom, not the collective. That is how communism and fascism is governed. Do you support our constitution, Mr. Mayor, or do you support being a dictatorial governor? I support life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, yes. Then mandating masks would be against that. It would not be against life. <laughs> oh, wow. All right. Nope, that's all I have to say. Thank you for your call. Caller, please state your name. Caller, please state your name. You're on the line. Hello? We have a line open. Caller, please state your name. Okay, we're going to keep going down the line. Caller, please state your name. Hello? Yes. State your Hello? name, please. Yes. <laughs> Paul Anonymous? <clears throat> All right, Paul. Paul Anonymous. Okay, Paul Anonymous. Uh, basically, I do not agree with this ordinance. I do not agree with a nanny state. I've uh, taken some notes along the way. I had a few questions. Basically, one thing I'm kind of dealing with is that, A, doctors are practicing medicine, and science is never founded. Uh, even Fauci has flipped many times. Uh, and we, it's also been stated that the uh, numbers have been inflated by 25%. So as we go through quotes of numbers here, start dropping it by 25%. Uh, basically, government does not need to strong-arm businesses for citizens' compliance. And that basically a person that is complying does not necessarily isn't indicative of the fact that they support the measure. It just means they'll go with the measure. Um, I found it rather revolting to call uh, for public shaming of an individual. Uh, welcome 1984 uh, draconian overreach. Um, as, a far, as far as PPE is concerned, um, I'm sorry, but doctors change them out all day long with each individual patient contact. You expect the citizens to do the same? And frankly, a doctor doesn't wear a mask. 24-7 or went out in public. It's a very short-term duration. What about the health effects of constantly rebreathing that humidified, soap supposedly filtered air? Uh, basically, we do vote with our money, and we also vote. So with this in mind, business that requires me to wear a mask, I'm going to go to another business, period. That, that's it. And frankly, um, the Orwellian doublespeak of shutting down keeps things open doesn't fly. There's a reason why there's a mistrust, not just in media, but as a politician, I mean, I like to say good luck in, in the reelection if this 
process passes. And um, frankly, I did not care for the fear monster. All right, thank you, call anonymous. We're going to continue down the line. Caller, Linda, what's your name? Linda Kilpatrick. Go ahead, Linda. Hi, um, I was just calling. Um, I had a, actually had a question for uh, the, the doctors, and perhaps you could ask that question. Uh, people are test tested for the virus, and then they get retested until, I guess, they have a negative test. And what my question would be is if those retests are counted in the daily counts that are being published with the CDC. Um, and I've had a conversation with a lot of people about that, and, you know, maybe you could find that out and publish it on your uh, website would be great. Um, and I do, um, I do not support the, the mandate on masks because I feel like um, everyone should have the freedom to wear a mask or not. Um, I do wear a mask out of courtesy for others, and because I am over 65 and fall in that um, that age bracket, but um, I do feel that um, the mandate shouldn't be passed. So that's, I'll keep this one short and thank you very much. Thank you for your comments. Caller, please state your name. Hi, it's Becky Abel. Go ahead, Becky. Hi, everybody. Um, I wrote you all an email, so you probably know where I stand on all this. Um, I just wanted to point out a couple of things. I think it's a, a, non, um, a red herring, really, to consider whether or not Polk County is doing a mask mandate um, because people can choose not to come here if they don't want to come here. Secondly, I feel like that stores like Publix, Walgreens, CVS, and so forth, um, if we have a mandate, um, then they have a leg to stand on uh, about requiring masks in the stores. Um, that has evidently been a problem. I mean, a lot of people cannot do home delivery um, or cannot um, uh, manage that sort of thing so or afford it. So they have to go to stores, Walmart or wherever else. If you have a, a citywide ordinance that allows for um, those stores to say you have to have a mask, then I think that protects everybody for the common good, not for individual rights. And speaking of individual freedoms, um, I've been really distressed about people um, and their freedoms. Um, like somebody else pointed out that uh, wearing pants, you know, is kind of required when you go somewhere. Um, so should this. For a short period of time, it doesn't have to be forever maybe six weeks, eight weeks. I'm really disappointed that nobody made the motion or seconded one so that we could have this for a short period of time to reduce our spread. Um, wearing a mask because you're against the policy is all well and good, but wearing a mask does not protect you. It protects other people. <laughs> and so if nobody, if everybody doesn't do it, it doesn't protect anybody. You know, so um, I, I just feel like uh, that <laughs> you guys are. Thank you very much, Becky. And we're at the two minute limit. Caller, please state your name. 
Amy Rockferry. Hi, ahead, um, my name is, hi, uh, I'd like to thank all of you for your time today. I've been listening in from near the start. Um, I'm actually a physician as well, and I have a unique experience. I actually spent about seven years of my life in Wuhan, China, where this originated um, from 2005, um, uh, seven years past that. So I'm very familiar with the health system there, and also I've been in an advisory capacity uh, since this thing started back in December uh, for a lot of the hospitals over there. So I've seen the type of mayhem that an outbreak on the scale that this could become uh, has caused. Um, I've been a Lakelander all my life. I was raised here. My family lives here. Um, I'm very familiar with the healthcare system in a lot of nations around the world. So uh, the mandate, I really appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to both sides. Um, however, the science clearly supports that if everyone wears a mask, it will be better for the population as a whole and protect especially the most vulnerable of our population, which are surprisingly in Lakeland, a, a large portion. And I have two parents that live here. They're both 65 and older. They both have hypertension and diabetes. That puts them in the highest class risk. So for those people, those citizens, I feel that wearing a mask, um, would really protect them. And I, I really do feel that most Lakelanders can come together in a preventive measure. And I think that uh, you do have a, a task ahead of you to really balance whether or not this is going to be punitive or whether or not this is going to be protective. And I urge you to drive and encourage the population to go towards that. This is a protective measure for everyone. And this is our responsibility as a community to come together. Also, uh, having an overabundance of caution has never been false. Thank you very much at the two-minute limit, and I appreciate your comment. Caller, please state your name. This is Joe Zanthopoulos. Go ahead, Joe. This is Joe Zanthopoulos. I live at, at, on High Ridge Loop here in Lakeland, and I'm also the CEO for Florida Presbyterian Homes. And I feel like by not making this a mandate, you have really let down our residents, the people that we serve every day, and you've let down our staff. Um, you really don't recognize and or don't want to recognize the risk that it is to older adults. And the medical data, anybody that is saying that the medical data on masks is, is not accurate or it's not effective is only reading a very small portion of the information that's out there. And they're very misinformed. Every physician that you talk to at LRH or Watson Clinic will tell you what's going on. And we're living it every single day trying to protect our residents. And it would have been great for this city to have stood up and stood behind us and protected our residents and our staff with us. The county is not going to. The county is weak. And now you're showing that you're weak. And you think that you want more educational programming is going to turn the tide? That's a waste of money, and it's a waste of time. And you have an opportunity to do something, and you've chosen not to. And to talk about freedoms, when every one of you probably got in a car and got, will put your seatbelt on today, recognizing it's for the greater good to protect others, simply wearing a mask 
and you can't get your hands around that and address that, it's just a sad day. And I'm very frustrated, and I see what's happening in Illinois, and I see what's happening in other states that have put these things into effect, and they're trending downward while we're trending upward. Not good. So thank you for allowing me to speak. Thank you for your poignant comment. Caller, please state your name. Phyllis Wright. Go ahead, Phyllis. Uh, good morning, and thanks for the opportunity to express myself. Um, like some of the others, I had the same points, but I will tell you that I'm very disappointed in this commission. Um, you're there to protect the health, safety, and welfare of the citizens of Lakeland. And what we need is leadership for the city of Lakeland. We should not depend on Polk County because Polk County does not have our best interest. Yes, we're part of the unincorporated area, but we need leadership for the city of Lakeland. And we've been educating ourselves now for a few months. Uh, I can't think of anybody who hadn't turned on the TV, seen in the paper, looked online, that saw where masks were uh, very helpful. Um, I think you also have a duty to stop thinking about us and yourself and think about essential workers, those stock boys, those people in public, those sales clerks in Walgreens. Yes, people go in without a mask. They're wearing a mask, but they're wearing that to protect the customers. They need protection because when they get sick and can't work, what are we going to do then? Um, and I would say that this is, um, you've heard from doctors in the medical profession. I don't think any of you are doctors or scientists. Uh, I happen to have one of those in my family, a scientist, but you've heard from the doctors that this is a life or death situation. So why wouldn't you stand up and say, okay, um, we're willing to protect you because I bet if businesses appeared before you, uh, the Chamber of Commerce appeared before you and said, commissioners, this, this is a life or death situation for these businesses. You have to do so-and-so and so-and-so, or we appreciate it. I believe you would step up and come to their rescue. Um, I'm just trying to briefly read my notes here, but I'm, I haven't seen what the executive order says, but isn't it possible that you pass it and do a two-week Thank you very much. I appreciate your comments. Caller, please state your name. Sean Gillen. My name is Go Sean ahead, Gillen, and compliance with tyranny is unconstitutional. And I'm really glad that you guys did not uh, enforce this mask wearing uh, situation because there's no medical science out there that's proven that you can not get sick by somebody else wearing a mask. Um, it's, it's absolutely preposterous. If, if you guys would get on TV and tell everybody to wash their hands, clean their homes, and bathe, and quit you know, having to justify our friendships by hugging and kissing all over everybody, you wouldn't get half as sick. I've been 45 years old, and it's always been called walking pneumonia. Just because it's popular and give it a name, it doesn't make it right. And wearing and wearing and the only the only cop that's going to to uh, uh, go and give somebody a ticket by wearing a mask is a crooked one, one that is unconstitutional, does not uphold the Constitution. So it's it's crap, and it's and if anybody cares to take a look, look up hypercardia, uh, 
in a nutshell, it's like chlorophyll and inflammation of the lungs. By rebreathing bacteria, your own bacteria, and rebreathing the CO2, which is bad for your health. Go look at OSHA. OSHA does it, it is it's ridiculous for people to walk around by them. It's kind of like giving an example: people riding around in the car by themselves with the air condition on, with a mask on. That is that is compliance to tyranny. And I'm really glad that you guys did not mandate that because it is called personal responsibility, not mandating, not mandating something. What's next? Mandating vaccines? I guarantee you, none of you will put your kids, and none of you will get a vaccine. None of you will. Thank you very much for your comments. Caller, please state your name. Hi, this is Daniel Nutting. Go ahead, sir. Uh, Commissioners, Mayor, thank you for your time. I'd like to share what a family member said to me the other day with complete and total sincerity. We've opened again. That means everything is safe. My next door neighbors just the other day had a house party with 10 cars out front because we're open again and everything is safe. Messaging. More important than discussing enforcement is messaging. We need to address the value of masks directly because we just had our scientific uh, experts in the area tell us that, yes, they do help. Yes, they do work. In fact, we've had science come back and say, uh, no, this guidance that mask wearing is harmful is wrong. We need to address disinformation that has been shared in this commission today. And we need to do it with a clear and direct message. Mask wearing is valuable. And I want my fellow callers and the commission to remember that the American concept of an individual freedom is that it extends until it infringes upon the freedom of others. That is why we outlaw drinking and driving. Right now, not wearing a mask infringes on others' freedom to health. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your uh, next caller, please. My name is Lance, and I live in Lakeland, and I want to thank you guys for not moving forward with the mandate on the masks. Uh, one of the callers earlier said that they've been to Watson Clinic and nobody was wearing a mask. I can tell you I've been to Watson Clinic five times in the last seven weeks for a foot issue. And Hi. every time I was there, they made me wear a mask. Mask wearing. Can you hear me? Hello. Hello. We can hear you, but there's two phones open at the same time. Sorry. So we will get back to you. Just one second. So, I, I, all right. So I'm there five times in the last seven weeks. No, no time was I ever allowed in the facility without a mask. They gave me one if I didn't have one. So that caller, their information seems incorrect. Also, two doctors at that same facility both told me that masks go against everything they were taught in medical school. Everything, isolating yourself and staying inside whenever you're sick is counterintuitive to what they're taught in medical school. So I, I thank you guys for not passing this mandate. It does go against individual freedoms. The people that say that it's not against individual freedoms, I'd like them to just take a look at things that start out small and then things get chipped away and chipped away and chipped away. So again, thank you guys for not mandating that, and I yield back my time. Thank you very much. 
caller, please state your name. Hi, yes, my name is uh, Sarah Smith. I live in South Lakeland, and I uh, I just wanted to say that I greatly appreciate the council not mandating mask wearing. Um, I've been a nurse for 25 years, and what the gentleman previous to me said about everything that we're taught in medical school, everything that we're taught in nursing school. The CDC up until just a very few months ago, I don't know what is going on there, but the way that um, masks are being used in the public is really counterproductive, uh, especially the homemade cloth masks. That might protect you from dust mites or pollen, but that's about it. Um, I've seen many, many people out and about touching their face and touching everything else much more with a mask on than uh, without one on. And as someone who works at one of the county's larger hospital facilities, um, I can say, you know, surgical masks N95 definitely should be reserved for your healthcare workers. They're in those scenarios. Uh, the general public does not need to wear them. Um, it really just does more harm than good. And I appreciate you not passing that ordinance. Thank you. Appreciate your comments very much. Caller, please state your name. My name is Bob Patterson. Go, Bob. Thank you. In fact, appreciate you taking my call. I've been watching the whole uh, communication. I think it was great. Had some real reservations with it. I'm in my 70s. My wife is in my in the 70s. Uh, I don't understand why you would not pass a mandate. Why would you ask medical advice and have him join your meeting and not adhere to what they told you? I'm kind of partial to Dr. Steve Ackinger because literally he saved my wife's life a little over a year ago. He was part of the team that, that literally she almost died. He saved her. So I pretty well have a lot of respect in what he would tell you. Uh, we both wear masks when we absolutely have to go out. Uh, nobody else is wearing them or not. A large majority is not wearing them. And the age has dropped because that's the age group that's not wearing the mask. Uh, I really respected uh, the mayor's response to Commissioner Franklin about enforcement. I thought he was right on. Uh, I don't know. And then uh, Commissioner Franklin's comments about masks uh, completely uh, was opposite of what Dr. Ackinger told you. I don't know where Dr. Commissioner Franklin got his medical advice, but it didn't make a lot of sense. Uh, commissioner, the mayor's response about his enforcement, signs will do a lot of good. Any law you pass, you're going to have people break it. That's normal. That's going to happen. Enforcement's not the big issue. If you put signs on the stores and let the store owners have some kind of leverage when you walk in, that would do the job. Commissioner Walker uh, seems more concerned with what the county does than the city does. And so why don't we just sit back and do nothing in Lakeland, which you're doing, and let's wait on the county to do something. Made absolutely no sense whatsoever. Uh, I'm just very disappointed in the whole thing. Uh, uh, I, you know, I appreciate you making it public, but uh, not passing your mandate was, was actually a, a, big, a big... Thank you very much for your comments, sir. Caller, please state your name. Caller, state your name. I'm going to keep going down the line then. Caller, please state your name. Hi, my name is Bonnie Griner, and I live just outside of downtown here in Lakeland. Can you hear me? Yes. Mm -hmm. yes. Thank you. So sorry about that. I didn't get any confirmation. 
Um, I am in favor of a mask mandate. I'm disappointed that we did not get that today. The incredible weight of the science is behind that. I'm fortunate enough to be friends with someone who works in public health for the CDC, and she very much supports this. But if anyone wants the information about the science, they can go get it. They can find it. Since we're not getting that today, what I would love, since the commission seems to be in favor of education in this matter, is if we could really do that. If we can provide education for people on the benefits that we take responsibility for each other to keep each other safe as Lakelanders. And we all do that because it's not going to be effective, as an earlier caller said, for someone who works at Publix. If they have to wear a mask, the customers come in and they don't wear a mask, and then that person becomes infected. Indoors, closed spaces for a long length of time are the most um, efficient ways for the virus to spread. So masks in those situations are important. And also, if we could do something maybe with members of the community, if we can set up something to donate some way to get masks to people who would like to wear them, and would wear them but don't have them. If we want people to do it, we need to make it easy and convenient and available. And so anything that we can do to afford that, I would really appreciate it. I'm disappointed in what happens today, but you know, we can't let one setback stop us. We have to do the best we can. Thank you so much. Thank you for your comments. Caller, please state your name. Daniel Sampson. Go ahead, Daniel. Hi, uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, I guess one of my biggest concerns uh, is uh, is about liberty and eroding away at things. I understand about trying to help protect people's lives, but uh, I wonder uh, when we're chasing the number of cases, uh, what the end game is, because uh, when we start getting back out, and it was said here, oh, people are getting back out there, and now the numbers are going up. This is going to happen until there's an immunity built up to the virus, which will not happen uh, as long as we're all locked away and wearing our masks. So is the end game uh, the people that are pro-mask? Are we uh, looking to uh, mandate vaccines at some point? Seems like that would be the next logical thing. You're waiting until we get to a point where there's some what you think there's a cure or vaccine, and then you're going to force that on us, or you'll continue to make us wear masks. That's terrifying to me. And uh, it's an overreach of government. Uh, this idea of encouraging, even at thinking that people shaming each other is a good idea, is, it saddens my heart. Uh, there's so much hate in this world already, and um, we're, uh, we've seen it happen just with uh, no mandate, uh, you see the riots going on. People are on edge. There's all kinds of uh, horrible things going on, and I think you're going to have a mess on your hands if you are changed. I'm glad you did not make the mask mandate. And let me tell you, the one guy who told you guys, well, uh, you know, you're going to look like you're going to look stupid if somebody, the governor or whatever, changes. That's not what your job is. Your job is to lead. I thank you for that. If you do it, but uh, leadership. Okay, I say get out there and do the education, uh, lead, 
and get people to wear the mask if you think that's what they need to do by leading, not by using a hammer. And that's what I ask you to do. Thank you. Caller, please state your name. Go ahead, caller. All right, we're gonna keep going down the line. Caller, please state your name. Hi, this is Brian. Go ahead, Brian. Brian, do you wanna speak? No. Caller, please state your name. Hello, this is Michael. Go ahead, Michael. Hi, my name is Michael Mutz. I'm calling uh, because I'm extremely disappointed in the commissioner's decision today. I have a 10-week-year-old daughter and a father who has a heart condition and is over 65 years old. Um, and the, the people who are saying it's against liberty to require mask wearing, um, I wonder if they walk around naked. Um, because it's interesting. Our country has us put on clothes um, and it, and requires a lot of things. So I don't know that it would or should be considered a stretch. What I'm worried about is my 10-week-year-old getting sick or my father um, getting sick. And to me, it doesn't make a lot of sense to wait until things get so bad that there's nothing that we can do. Be much more prudent to be ahead of the curve and um, stop things before they they get to a point where we can't do anything about it um, or where it's a lot more dramatic. Florida is currently the second highest um, in new cases. And um, yeah, I mean, I feel like people have said it a lot, but I'm extremely disappointed that there wasn't even a second for the motion to vote for masks. Um, particularly a very quick thing, my brother, when people are in the hospital, has no medical degree and he comes and he asks 40 questions to the doctors and advises them about what to do. And I don't take it seriously because he's not a doctor. Um, I think listening to medical professionals would be the prudent thing to do. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Caller, please state your name. Hi, this is Rita Rivera. Can you hear me? Yes, go ahead, Rita. Thank you. Um, I hear a lot of people calling in from outside of uh, the city of Lakeland. I just want to say that you are my commissioners, and thank you for keeping the walking trails open, first of all, for allowing us to have uh, fresh air and sunshine. My son has cancer, and I have asthma. I'm neither for nor against an ordinance at this time. I would like to see some public information on strengthening our immune system. If you were to have a PR campaign about mask wearing, hand washing, six foot social distancing, I really would would like there 100% to be something included in there on strengthening our immune system. It just makes sense. Um, I'm very concerned also about our beloved elders, especially in facilities. And I know that no one likes wearing masks. I don't like wearing them with, with the asthma issues. But at the cancer family, we wore a mask, we sanitized, and we stayed home uh, long before it was cool. So we choose to wear them for ourselves. 
And uh, I realize that the cloth masks don't really protect us from aerosol. Uh, we still wear them because it makes other people feel safer. But I'm not saying that I think that they should be necessarily mandated. Uh, we've just been canceling and rescheduling lots of important appointments for our own safety. And I, like one other caller, I did have that same question about um, those who do test positive. I've known people who are testing positive and they are retesting weekly. And I wanna know, are they included in those numbers of positive tests? Because you have the same people being counted over and over again, if so. So I'd like that looked into. Um, I do believe there's a virus, but I like math. And- Thank you very much for your comments. Caller, please state your name. My name is Dustin Clark. Go ahead. So, so I've got a couple of, uh, uh, point. So we know there's been a lot of fear mongering in the me media. All, the numbers have also been skewed. Um, how come there ha also how come there hasn't been how come there hasn't been a large outbreak in the uh, so-called essential businesses? Okay. And then a question for you guys is when do our freedoms stop for the presumed safety? of others. Is that all you want to say, sir? Uh, I guess, yeah. So you guys right, aren't answering you. questions? Go ahead, caller. Hey there, my name's Tyler. Go ahead. Hey, so my big uh, issue here is the enforcement. Um, I don't appreciate being told that the way that we're going to enforce this issue is peer pressure. That's not an acceptable answer to me at all. Um, the second thing is uh, there needs to be a clear definition between the two different types of masks. Um, cloth masks do nothing. Um, if we're speaking about masks that are actually going to do something, um, we're talking about N95 masks, and those are not readily available to the public. Um, so I, I think there needs to be a clear understanding between the public and the officials of what they're talking about with masks, because mask is an ambiguous term. Are we talking cloth masks or N95 masks? N95 masks are what matters. Cloth masks do nothing except provide a sense of security, which is not backed by any science to actually do anything. Um, but I do, I do. My big issue is uh, when we brought up the uh, multiple commissioners brought up the issue of enforcement, and there was no clear answer. The clear answer to that was peer pressure, and that is completely and totally unacceptable. Because what can happen is people are going to get into fights uh, because they feel like it's their job to tell people how to do social distancing, isolation, whatever you want to call it. It's, it's going to cause fights. It's going to cause civil unrest just because we don't have a way to enforce this policy that we're trying to enact. And that's all I have to say. comments. Caller, please state your name. Lorenzo Sanchez. Go ahead. I wanted to make the statement that while some people believe that the face coverings are not being effective, the cloth ones are to prevent symptomatic and asymptomatic carriers alike from spreading it. I do appreciate the people that are already making the effort 
to try to be part of the collective cause of diminishing the effect of this virus. But there are many people who are not following that. And we're doing a disservice to those who are immunocompromised and have no other choice but to leave their homes to run essential errands to be exposed to a deadly virus. And I believe that we have a collective duty to do our best to serve all people. It is not a matter of having our freedoms taken away. It is just a matter of doing our part and being a good citizen, which should be expected from everyone. Thank you for letting us have this platform. That's all I needed to say. Thank you very much for your comments. Caller, please state your name. Heidi, follow me. Go ahead, Heidi. Um, I just, I find it kind of crazy that everybody wants to mandate these masks only because um, whenever you're online reading, you know, that's all we get to see now because unfortunately, that's where everything is going is Facebook and Twitter and social media. And so it kind of makes it hard for people to understand what is actually going on in the world because everybody is just voicing their own opinion. And so, um, you know, if children under two aren't allowed to wear masks because it could be a breathing issue, and obviously infants aren't allowed to wear masks, which shouldn't even be out at this time, and um, people who have trouble breathing aren't allowed to wear masks, then why do they get to not wear the mask but everybody else has to wear the mask? What if they have the virus and they're out and they can't wear this mask? But everybody else has to or what if they can't even go out of their house now because they have trouble breathing and they're not able to wear the mask um so and also if you're in a restaurant how do you expect somebody to wear a mask and eat or if you're in a bar how do you expect somebody to wear a mask and drink it's just it's it's crazy i work with people who actually wear masks all the time and and somebody still got the infection and they're having us wear these cloth masks which cause infection in people's lungs because they're literally breathing in their own bacteria all the time. And you can't expect everybody to be able to get the N95 mask or be able to get the respiratory mask because not everybody has money like that. They don't have money to go and get everybody in their family a respiratory mask. So it's just, it's, it's crazy to me that it's mandatory. I mean, I feel like everybody should have been washing their hands in the first place. Everybody should have been cleaning the way that they're cleaning now in restaurants in the first place, cleaning the way they're cleaning now in, in stores in the first Thank you very much for your comments. Caller, please state your name. Linda. Go ahead, Linda. Um, I'm kind of disappointed with this whole committee. Uh, for somebody who has already had COVID, and has developed a lung condition from it. I think that it's irresponsible of you to not require masks. Yes, it is more difficult for me to wear a mask in public, but I do it for the simple safety of others. And I think we really need to put others first and not just always think of ourselves and think of our rights. And that's all I have to say. Thank you very much for your comments, ma'am. Please state your name. Mary Domry. I'm an RN living in South Lakeland. Um, I just want to bring a couple of things to your attention. 
while wearing a mask has proven to reduce the spread of COVID, you know, there's also risk with eyes. <laughs> we haven't addressed that. We're not being crazy asking people to wear a simple face covering. You guys would be saving lives. As a nurse, I do that a lot. You have the potential to save lives. My patients, my elderly, my immunocompromised, my infants beg you to do the right thing. Beg you to do the right thing. Mayor Mutz knows I have been on him six weeks. This is the right thing to do. Wear a mask, control the spread. Your businesses will thrive because people like me will go in them if everyone is wearing a mask. Otherwise, I'm staying home and I'm supporting Instacart. Have a good day, guys. Do the right thing. Thank you very much. Caller, please state your name. Linda. Go ahead. Hi, um, as somebody who lives in Lakeland and works in the city and deals with the public every single day, I'm I'm very saddened and disappointed to hear that nothing has been done about the mask mandate. I, you know, as working in the retail, I literally see every day, I did a poll one day, and 87% of my customers who came into my store were not wearing a mask or not wearing it properly. They had it around their neck. They had it not covering their nose. And just a small thing like this puts all of the staff and anybody who's out in public just at ease to know that people are doing what they should be doing. And a lot of people are saying, you know, people should be washing their hands and people should be standing six feet apart. And yes, those things are true, but but they don't, unfortunately. And that's the sad reality is that they think people out there, we're taking away their freedom when really we're saying this is our community and this is what we need to do as a community to survive and to strive and to support each other. And it's selfish on everybody's part who's not wearing a mask. And I, and at Lakeland Square Mall, they literally are handing out masks to people. And I have seen people yell at security guards refusing to take a mask when they're giving it to them for free. They don't even have to pay for it. And they are still refusing because they think it is attacking them in some way. And it's just protecting us as people. Thank you very much for your comments. Caller, please state your name. Lyle. Go ahead, Lyle. A couple of things. Uh, first of all, I want to say that the gentleman who's the CEO of First Presbyterian Homes stated practically everything that I wanted to say, and I'm in full agreement with him, except he stated it a lot more clearly than I could have. Uh, the last time I looked, though, if I have, most people, when they have a medical concern or health concerns, they go to their doctors. They don't go to the politicians. They don't go to, to business people. They go to the doctors to find out what they should do. You all have had the CEO of, uh, of uh, excuse me, not the, the partner in charge of Watson Clinic, the incoming CEO of the hospital, both say how important it is to wear masks. That, to me, should weigh have more heavily than, than almost anybody else I can think of who might speak. Secondly, I received an email from a friend of mine who was a Lakeland resident and happens to be in Pennsylvania right now. And what he shows sent, and his sent uh, 
information on. They are enforcing masks in Pennsylvania. They are requiring people to make, wear, wear them. Since they have started that, their cases are down 38 percent. In the same time period, Polk County and Lakeland cases are up 124 percent. We have, and you have, the authority to require people to do this. As the gentleman stated earlier, there's a thing called greater common good that is in our Constitution and our government. And sometimes we have to sacrifice certain freedoms. This is democracy, yes. We can't just do whatever we want. I can't go out and say, well, I have a gun, so I'm going to shoot so-and-so. That isn't the way it's done. There are restrictions put on everybody in different areas. We wouldn't survive as a country if we didn't put some of these restrictions in. And I think that if, we, if this thing is passed, is not passed, I think it's speaks volumes for the city and, and the county, particularly the city, which are not positive, which are very negative. And I think that if it is passed, I'm not quite sure what teeth are in there to enforce it, but I hope that, that if, there, if there are no teeth, that if there are no provisions to Thank you, sir, very much. Your time is up. Caller, please state your name. My name is Eric. Go ahead. So my comment, I guess I have a comment and a question. I don't know if you're fielding questions, but my comment is, you know, to all the folks that um, are adamant that they want to, I'll say, forcefully make people wear masks, I would ask them to consider um, a balance in between what may logically make sense for us to be able to not only protect ourselves, our families, but our neighbors. Um, and I think that the masks and taking all due precautions by uh, exercising better hygiene is an obvious measure that we can all take and we should all take. However, I think that one thing to really consider is the balance into the free market and a free market economy is driven by what people want and the businesses to be able to accommodate and, and supply that. And I think that the masks fall into that department. I really think that people need to really consider if we need laws that are demanding people to have certain types of behavior or if we should allow the free market to entertain their clientele and to be able to place rules and restrictions in place that are going to best suit their clientele. Similar to no shoes, no shirt, no service. This is a very similar aspect, and I would highly urge our, um, our leadership and our government and our politicians to allow the free market to find its way versus passing laws that are stripping people of their freedom. That doesn't mean that the masks aren't effective and aren't things that we should be prudently and respectfully um, wearing. Just saying that I don't know if we need a law or if it's something that we need more uh, exposure to education, enablement, um, folks and you know uh, health leaders in our community to be able to come out and help people understand how they can best look after themselves in their neighbors without having to pass a law. My, my, my question to you is, how do you feel as our Caller, please state your name. Melinda Rinker. Go ahead, Melinda. Um, hi, everyone. Um, I w want to say thank you for having this. And I have two friends in New York who ended up getting COVID-19. Uh, her husband uh, found out 10 days after a coworker who was asymptomatic got it. 
and found out that you know he had he had contracted COVID-19. He lost his sense of taste and smell, had extreme fatigue, had um, issues and whatnot related to it, and uh, and then about 14 days later, um, my my girlfriend got it from her husband, and she still two months later has not regained her sense of taste and smell. Another friend in North Carolina, um, her aunt and uncle both got it. Um, the aunt died. And my concern here and my question is, do you on the commission know of somebody who has actually died from this? Because if we can't each do our part to prevent this or to assist in preventing it. What, what are we doing? We're, we're encouraging everybody who is asymptomatic then to go out and be near people um, and, and pass this along. It, it's not just people who have the symptoms that are passing it on to others. Uh, my son right now, uh, the other day, he called me up at 10 o'clock at night to say he had a fever. And, you know, we're, we're sitting here going, you know, help people. So is my son going to die because somebody didn't wear a mask? Can, let's help him. Thank you very much for your comments. Caller, please state your name. My name is Jennifer Sabin. Go ahead, Jennifer. Thank you. I heard about Mayor Mutz's comments on Saturday, and I'm calling to apologize that based on my confidence in his remarks, I didn't follow up with an email or communication to the rest of the commission to let you know that I supported what he announced. I am letting you know now, though, that I do support what he announced, and I hope that you'll reconsider because of all of the wonderful things that so many people who have called in before me have shared. That's it. Thank you very much. Thank you for your comments. Call, please state your name. Jenny Abel. Go ahead, Jenny. Um, hi, thank you. Um, I just have three comments. Is, uh, uh, has the commission, are they thinking that they're going to wait until these numbers increase more before they mandate it? Because the, the doctor just said that one person could infect four di different people. So that would give us uh, an insight on how many people would be infected and where our community would be. Uh, second thing is, in looking at the commissioners on my screen, apparently they all realized how contagious or infectious this is because none of them appear to be in the city commission chambers, although I did see commission, uh, Tony Delgado and looks like the staff is there. So we'd ask them that we deserve the same. Not every employee has the opportunity to be um, uh, virtual working from home. And then my, um, my last comment is uh, one of the commissioners talked about being contiguous to the Polk County line. So would this executive order not apply to anybody coming inside the city limits to the businesses? Um, I would like for somebody to comment on that, please. Thank you very much. Sure, it would apply to them in the, in the city businesses when they came in, regardless of where they came from. 
if it had passed and if it was actually second. Thank you for your comments. Caller, please state your name. Caller. Hi, my name is Elizabeth Hill. Can you hear me? Yes, go ahead. Hi, I just wanted to make a, a quick point that um, it seems a little unfair to the medical professionals that came on and gave their time and their report to expect them then to care for people who are not following their advice. Um, I know if I get sick, I'm going to the hospital or to Watson. And I just think that it would be prudent of the public to understand that these are the people that are going to be treating them. And if we're not taking their advice, it's, it's a little bit um, disrespectful, I guess, is the best way I know how to put it, not to follow their advice now. Um, I'm disappointed that the commission is not voting. Um, I just think it's, uh, it's just a disappointment. So thank you. Thank you, commissioners. Thank you, Mayor. Caller, please state your name. Caller, we tried to get you earlier, but you were Jason unavailable. Jason Hagerman. Go ahead, Jason. All right, so my first part of my comment is uh, written before the decision had been made. So we must mandate masks. The commissioners seem to be concerned with individual rights and enforcement more than they are with saving lives. States, cities, and counties that mandate masks are not facing a major problem with compliance or enforcement. Wearing a mask does work. The CDC says it works. The WHO says it works. Independent studies say it works. Over 120,000 people have died already in this country. This isn't taking away individual rights any more than a seatbelt law does. It doesn't take away civil liberties more than requiring people to cover their genitals. It doesn't take away civil rights any more than not allowing smoking in restaurants. The decision is a no-brainer, and any decision other than a mask mandate is irresponsible. Unfortunately, the commission, which is majority controlled by Lakeland First, a pro-business PAC, because of is controlled by them. Because of this, I don't expect the decision to be based on science or saving lives. I believe the decision will be solely based on what is perceived to benefit businesses the most. The reality is that a mask mandate will help businesses. I personally am not going into local businesses because the vast majority of people are not wearing masks. I am stuck ordering online where my money is going outside of our local community. I live here in Dixieland and would love to shop in Dixieland and Lakeland. My update since the decision has been made, it is no surprise that a decision was made before hearing public comment to not mandate masks. And basing their decision on the idea that people are not in favor of the measure is silly. The fact that people are not in favor of a mandate is exactly why we need a mandate. If people were in favor of the mandate, they would be wearing the masks, and this would be a non-issue. The responsibility of our elected, elected representatives is to look out for the rights of all. The rights of the minority are often not protected by the voice of the majority. I hope the commission will reevaluate their decision because I believe I. Thank you very much for your comments. And the local caller, please state your name. Not wearing masks. Am I up? Yeah. Hello. 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 Please go ahead. Hi, my name is Linda Stanford. I just would like to state that this is a pandemic. You might want to look it up in the dictionary and see what it means and how you prevent one from spreading. 
You've heard from the doctors and medical. People's lives are at risk. People are walking around in public spreading this virus, and it kills people. If you ignore it, no amount of public service reminders, announcements, and education will alleviate you from any responsibility while you hide in your home holding a public meeting. Thank you. Thank you for your comments, ma'am. Caller, please state your name. Anonymous. Go ahead. Um, I just feel like with the mandating of masks, should we also mandate no driving in intersections due to wrecks? Or mandate no swimming in oceans and pools because of drowning in sharks? Or mandate no fast food for obesity? Or should we mandate condoms because of AIDS? Or should we mandate no kissing because of herpes? I mean, anything in the world you can honestly die from. So mandating the mask, I feel people who need to wear the mask should wear the mask. Who want to wear the mask should wear the mask. But people who are okay with risking it should be okay with risking it. I mean, just let the people who want to wear the mask wear them. They're there. They can put them on. You know, they're not going to get it from the people not wearing the mask if they feel the masks are so important. So the people who don't want to wear the mask should not have to wear the mask. And that's all. <laughs> Thank you very much for your comments. Um, I, I have a question for the mayor and Ramona. We locked at 90 callers. I could open it back up. We're done with those 90 callers. And we've gone back through the ones that called that didn't answer. We can open it back up, but you could possibly be here for hours. So that's really up to your decision. I think, uh, personally, Ramona, I think we ought to lock where we are um, unless you feel like there's another reason to do. No, I agree, Mr. Mayor. There's been significant public comment um, and discussion. I think we'd be in a different scenario if you were to entertain bringing up another motion or, or something along those lines. You would have to you would have to ask for additional comment with regard to that. But all right, I'm I am not going to recommend another motion. I am going to ask you to keep this motion very much alive in your file because I think we will absolutely be taking another look at it. I'm extremely disappointed, not a, a little disappointed, uh, because I think we focus today on everything but lives. I think we focused about on every issue we could bring up as a reason not to instead of the reason to. And I believe we'll be accountable for that. The numbers will play the music. We will see the results. And we will be responsible for not worrying about what matters most. And so I want to make sure I'm on record as saying that. Um, I'm open to any other comments before we uh, consider adjourning. Commissioner Walker. Well, Mr. Mayor, I think you have your right to share as you did. And we, of course, share uh, as we will as, uh, also. Uh, and I'm a firm believer, you know, that's why we have the, the kind of process we have and what we do as we do to share. And I respect your opinion. I hope you respect all of ours as well. And I'm sure you do. I would not say you don't. Uh, I know you much more than that. But certainly, you know, there's some things I think we all have, have, have said and shared this, these last three hours or more. You know, and I think that we probably 
you know, bring about some more conversation as time moves on. And, and just because it's, it's not, is it a standstill today don't mean it may not be a standstill tomorrow, Wednesday, whatever day may come. So I, I would appreciate, you know, like you just said, leave it at, as it stands now. And we, of course, will have a dialogue if and when that time should come, uh, if, 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 if we should move it forward. Any other comments from commissioners? Is there a motion to adjourn? Oh, Commissioner Franklin, did you have a comment? Bill, this is Bill Reed. Yes, sir. Yeah, I'm sorry. I would like to, I would like to make people aware, though, that the the reason a lot of us are in our homes is because this meeting was called over the weekend. We had no prior deliberation about it, and a number of us are out of town. I'm out of town, and I know a few of the other commissioners are out of town as well. I personally always felt we should have been meeting uh, in person. Uh, we just got back to doing that last Monday. We met in person as a commission, and I know we're still the the even the ability to do this meeting today telephonically is only allowed because we're still under the, the governor's executive order allowing us to do so. But as a, as a body, we had already decided we were ready to meet in person again. So candidly, I think it should have had enough notice for us to all be back in town and meet, but that's just how it all worked out. Commissioner Reed. Thank you. And again, I wish to thank everybody that spoke today. Uh, for their input, it's, it, it is a, a difficult decision. And I was watching the uh, political speech the other day and you know, almost 10% of our total population in the United States has been tested at this point. And as we continue to test, I think we're gonna, we're obviously gonna see numbers go up, whether they're false negatives or not. Uh, and again, I am not opposed to addressing this as, as we proceed. Uh, but invariably, uh, I am uh, confident that we've made the right decision today, and um, I'm just going to move forward to seeing you guys on Wednesday. Thank you, sir. Commissioner McLeod. Thank you. Yeah, I just wanted to mention that I'm out of town as well until uh, tomorrow afternoon. Um, but I do appreciate everyone who has taken time to email us uh, to uh, contact us individually. I know we got a lot of phone calls and, and probably text and emails that were not coming to all of us. Um, I did want to point out we received um, uh, messages from other healthcare providers, other physicians in the community, and people who who were not in favor of a mandate, who were not necessarily uh, arguing over. Uh, the value of wearing a mask, but had some, some valid points uh, for us to consider as well. So I just, I wanted to mention that. And, and thank you to everyone who's participated in giving your voice and being part of the process. And I, I wanna echo that I appreciate your availability to be part of this process today, all of you. And I really do. And I know it's an inconvenience and an interruption. Is there a motion to adjourn? So move, so move, Mr. Mayor. And a second from Commissioner Madden. All those in favor, raise your hand. Mr. Reed, you can say, all right. And all opposed by the same sign, it unanimously passes. Thank you again. For